0: Greetings, boys and girls. This is Tim Ferriss. Welcome to The Tim Ferriss Show. In this episode, we have two incredible guests and friends of mine. We have Kelly Starrett, who is a performance coach, athletic mastermind. He is one of the co-founders of SF CrossFit, which was one of the first 50 CrossFit affiliates. And his clients include Olympic gold medalists, Tour de France cyclists, world and national record holding Olympic lifting, power athletes, cross games medalists, Ballet dancers, you name it, special forces. Uh, he has also worked with me uh, when I was doing training and research for the 4-Hour Body. We go back quite a ways. He is a monster. He can do a standing backflip, run an ultramarathon, uh, and can also, I think, power clean 300-plus pounds. Uh, he's a beast. And then the other person we have joining us, or joining me, joining you guys, is Dr. Justin Major, who's been my personal doctor and go-to performance doc for several years now many years, in fact. Uh, and uh, he is an MD. He also has background in exercise physiology. And when it comes to performance enhancement uh, or living an optimal lifestyle and not just getting your recommended daily allowance and surviving, uh, he is my go-to man. And of course, as it would have it, in SF, Kelly and Justin know one another. Uh, so we had a bunch of wine and decided to mind-meld. And that is this episode of the Tim Ferriss show, I apologize for the background jazzy Euro music, but I am currently in Verbia, Switzerland for the first time. I highly recommend it. Looking out at the mountains here, uh, no better place to record an intro, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Optimal, minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands
2: start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question?
0: Now it is even a perfect time.
1: What if I did the island? A cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal
0: endoskeleton. We are fucking live at Casa Ferris, and this is uh, the first podcast threesome that I've dared to venture into. But I've uh, two fine gentlemen, two uh, scholars and gentlemen, Kelly Starrett, Doctor, Professor, just a major. And, uh, yes, I've been fucking with the audio and it took me so long that we've already had two and a half glasses of wine on empty stomachs, but, uh, I think this is going to be a good session. It's an experiment like everything else. So, uh, it'll take us a little while, while to get past the awkward formality of this, uh, extremely clumsy uh, podcast intro. But, uh, Kelly, for those who don't know you, who is Kelly Starrett?
1: <laughs> Dancer. <laughs> well, you can't see on the <laughs> you can't see on the, uh, the podcast that these are my real calves. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> even through the table, I even, can feel them even pulsating. Through, that's true. true engorged fact. calves. Uh, we started. Um, people may know me because I showed up a little bit in For Our Body. Mm-hmm. That's when we first you did. You sent a tweet out in the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, I need some deadlifting help. Da, da, da. We kind of we kind of went down the rabbit hole yeah. a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. I have tight quads. My back is bent out of shape. <laughs> Weird how that works. It, yeah. <laughs> You're a male athlete. Check the box. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, our handle is at Wad. Uh-huh. We started a little project in open source. Why doesn't everyone know how to fix themselves? Yeah. Which is what I'm, you know, sitting here with Dr. Major, which is so yeah, good. good. And it's we have tonight. this like tri- Bermuda Triangle oh, of, for sure. of knowledge sharing. We've all known each other for a while. Yeah. Uh, uh, well... What's interesting is the shift for me, <clears throat> as we kind of were gearing up and talking about this, is the shift away from personally around performance. I, I've sort of been obsessed in a performance whore for as long, you know, let's lift more, let's go faster. was always our proof of concept. You're in a better position. Let me show you because you can generate more wattage. Correct. But I have to be honest. I mean, I feel like. That's this 1% and that the people we need to be talking about are moms and dads, people who are in pain, how to prevent this stuff in the first place. These are the bigger conversations.
0: Now, you're co-founder, co-creator, co-conspirator of SF CrossFit. Yep. With my wife, Juliet. That's right. Sweetheart and can probably outlift me also. And uh, as
1: well as your how old? Five-year-old? I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. Yeah, I think your five-year-old can also out front squat me. Uh, well, can I can I jump in just for one second? Yes, you may. Sixty minutes has been following us around for like since October, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Hey, can since you it's show?" October? That's yeah. a long time. Yeah, a long- That's a lot longer than sixty minutes. I had to pull it because yeah. everyone gives me the four hour shit. Oh, Here. do they really? Yeah. yeah. How funny how that works. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know how many hours they're going <laughs> to use, but the best the best moment for me was we have the the they're like, "Hey, can you show proof of, proof of your like your concept with a uh, correspondent?" I was like, "No problem. Let's." Let's do something easy like picking something up. So here's this bar. Everyone should be able to bend over. Keep your back flat. Everyone agrees you shouldn't round your back when you pick something heavy, right? Well, that actually is easier said than done. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, she just rounds and rounds and rounds. And we'll just teach her, hey, you just got to be able to lift and reach into the crib without rounding your back pick up your baby. Just Just hit her with the birch stick? (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Stop saying. And um, she uh, she couldn't do it. And uh, on camera, everything's there live. And I was like, well, why don't we pull in an athlete who can do it? Mm-hmm. So I was like, Georgia, my eight-year-old, <laughs> comes right in, doesn't, she it must be my daughter, doesn't even flinch on camera, like producers, microphones, but just deadlifts it up. I mean, it's like 25, 30 pounds, not a big deal, but just, and then she kind of looks at the like, correspondence like, wow, like, what's your problem? <laughs> and uh and literally you can see the producers back room like, That's good T V <laughs> such good TV was, uh, I have, I have daughters who we don't want to be professional athletes. Not yeah. my I if you I mentioned to get your takes on this. If you could have a kid and would you, you know, we'll ask this later on, but you know, yep. they would you let them be athletes? It's a great question. Well, we'll come back to that. We'll come back because uh
0: I think that's a big topic. Yeah. It's an important topic. Uh but before we do that, part three. Of this amazing trilogy. Uh, Dr. Major, Dr. Jay Justin, uh, Please. we've, we've known each other for a while. Uh, we've, uh, you've been my doctor, uh, for many different things, helped me review blood tests and all the ridiculous, various masochistic things that I do to myself. Correct. Uh, and, uh, what, what appealed to me about your background, among other things, is you do have a sports background. Yet you also have a practicing medical background. And I think that combination sort of allows you to understand the malfunction that I have, which is this compulsive self-testing. <laughs> so I, I just, uh, I, I'm really happy that three of us are here because I feel like you guys cover so much complementary ground. Uh, but maybe you could give people a little bit of background on yourself and just what you're up to these days. Yeah, well, I mean, just as you said, and will will henceforth
2: refer to me as Justin okay. uh, <laughs> uh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> uh, no, <not> Justin. Yes. <laughs> yes. Major. No, I no? will refer okay. to myself in the third person okay. as Perfect. Justin Perfect. No, uh, okay. uh, no, I mean I, I do I, I I have an exercise physiology background and degree. I mean in, in that really I had no agenda towards medicine. I was just um kind of curious to go to college, uh, after my, you know, football career was not going to make it much further than high school. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, but you know, I was interested in human performance and, and kind of, and just human experience, like what makes us alive, what makes us tick, uh, yeah, and true, I love true or false. games. Did
1: you have a pull-up rack in your office?
2: I do. Absolutely.
1: There you go. Bam. Yeah, <laughs> like, and that was. A new screen device. Do you have a good doctor? Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> that <happened>. was. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when you showed up, you're like, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's. Great. Is my uh, doctor going to die before I do? <laughs>
0: if yes, find another doctor. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Uh,
2: you know, so, you know, I, I, actually just wanted to, you know, study physiology. How, how does our body work and how can we have it perform? Yeah. And I actually, by the way, my, my fifth year of undergrad, uh, uh, I was
0: on that plan too.
2: Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. That's a lot of fingers and toes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, um, I overheard two, two, uh, classmates behind me, you know, just lamenting how difficult it was to get into physical therapy, uh, school at the time. And they said, wow, it's almost as difficult as medical, uh, school. And we have all the prerequisites. And it was the first time in my mind. I'm like, you know what? I don't really want a fucking job. Uh, and I'm really interested in the human body. And so why don't I just kind of, you know, delve into med school? Uh, and so, you know, I looked into it, took the few remaining classes I needed to get and, went into it. I had no idea. I didn't even, I, I didn't even have healthcare growing no. up. Uh, so my, my father's no physician, my yeah.
1: grandfather's physician and I was like, no way I'm going to PT school. I mean, yeah. like that was, right. that was like a med school. No PT school. Yes. It's so interesting. Huh? You just need to know one doctor. So I think I'm like, and major is my doctor too. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, here we are. Wow. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's scary. Uh, and I hope he hasn't um, been looking
1: at your blood work. <laughs> True fact. Yeah. <he> <laughs>
2: No, it's, it's, all uh, true or false. You're, you guys are definitely going to live through the more weekend. Fish oil than fishes can consume. Yeah, no. So anyway, so, you know, I, I, I went through the training, but, um, you know, with, with some interest in orthopedics. Um, but you know, the more I got into it, the more I was still interested in sort of, okay, what makes us well, what makes us thrive? I mean, mm-hmm. it just made the most sense. And so that's kind of when I went through, I, I, it became interested in endocrinology because I just yeah. felt that if you can kind of understand the hormone systems and how yeah. they would have such local effects on cells and global effects on kind of, you know, directly on your physiology and, and secondarily on your behavior, which yeah. obviously is going to, you know, feedback and affect your physiology. Uh, it made the most sense. And I also, you know, became really interested in, you know, kind of Eastern philosophy. I've always yeah. been sort of a searcher and I felt it fascinating that, uh, the, the chakras that are described in kind of, um, yoga culture, Ayurvedic culture, um, yeah, corresponded to these like nerve plexi, which are these little mini brains outside mm-hmm. of our brain and also these endocrine hormone glands. And so, uh, you know, and I came across some work from Joseph Campbell and Heinrich yeah. Zimmer where they're talking about the relational issues of the chakra and it just made so much sense. So that was my intention mm-hmm. other than, once I got further along in the conventional medical model, I just could not understand their black and white ideology. We're going yeah. to treat the absolute abnormal highs and the absolute abnormal lows, but this very wide range of gray that yeah. we all live and function with, we're not going to touch that. That's normal. Yeah. Uh, people, and
1: if you're listening that, and you don't know, I mean, people may not know, but you have worked as a functional medicine do, like correct basically let me just tell a backstory my wife after her second child mm-hmm. um, basically bled to death mm-hmm. during right during birth and had seven transfusions i think wow but, right and uh when we finally bumped into dr major you know her julit was terrible ferritin was zero i mean just really 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 low b vitamins Tanked, and this major who started was you were the physician who started put the pieces together and taking the school approach, right. and that's where we really became. You know, I was always like, hey, why are we on the working mechanically as a physio at the limits of your range? Why don't you? Why can't you just be full human? And it was the first person I ever run into as a physician who said you know be, be, you know being down at this bottom end is not that means you're alive that's the rda like, you know, right? Right. I mean, like the minimum dose of vitamin c to keep you as a human being that's not thriving yeah. and you changed my family's life i mean you resurrected juliet from headaches and death and you know and all the gnarliness back into a, a like a full-fledged you know woman you you changed so many of my friends lives by just taking a big, bigger, bigger picture, which is what we've got to get people to do. I mean, that's what's so interesting. Yeah,
2: no, I I appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's very humbling because I think, you know, the more that I look into things, the more blown away at the complexity of trying to understand how all the pieces of physiology work together and how the human body works together. And, and to me, I think that, you know, looking down the road, when we start leveraging the power of technology, uh, intelligently to apply it to health and human performance we're going to have some really incredible finds, but, uh, but, you know, one thing that you, we had said, you know, off camera or off, uh, off uh, recorder, I should say um, is, is that, you know, when we're looking at high end performance, it is, it is so fancy and it is beautiful. It's a beautiful art form to see people perform at their highest. Um, but I think that what, where humanity and where we as individuals stand to gain the most is to actually take those principles and apply it uh, to the rest of us. You know what I mean? So, like, whereas, like, y- you got, you know, Tim, you're out here experimenting on the fringes of mm-hmm. physiology and where, what limits can you push? And mm-hmm. Kelly, you're over here working with, you know, really impressive, you know, high-end Athletes and military and all the people that you've shared with me that you've worked with and you're trying to get that that extra one or two or three percent that's going to make a difference between a 10th place finish at the CrossFit game, say and a second place or first place finish um, when you can actually take those same principles and apply them to the rest of us, then you're going to see 30, 40, 50, 60 percent gains in function, in health,
1: and well, vitality. You know, it's so... Uh, people understand is that it's not this we move the needle 1% 1%. You know you you know I read your book really the 4 hour body like legitimately and and was like ah oh, this is this is like reading like best practice. You know which is so because fr- fr- you basically took best practice for people you know we, and, you know, I'm not eating cinnamon and doing squats in the, in the stairwell, but you get the idea, right? But the, we all have our own grade of <laughs> weird, you know, it's, so that's my choice. But but what you did was was really give people a manifesto for pulling out the big holes about, are you sleeping enough? Yep. You know, are you, like, more and more I realize you can't cheat your physiology. You you can't deny your stress level. You can't deny your sleep. You can't deny your nutrition. You can't deny your hydration. You can't deny your movement practice. Hmm. And, you know, you really, I mean, now having written a book, I mean like a it's a big book. A big heavy book. And we're on the second edition and two more to, congratulations. Like, yeah, I think. I'm on the second page. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah, on the third. Page. Be careful, ask for yeah, right. about that book uh, stuff. But Again, I, I keep reading it. Yes. When I think about your the, you know, the the daunting task about putting people out of, of getting us out of the way because, you know, we were just talking to someone the other day, our next-door neighbor who has chronic headaches. Is out of shape, is French, eats a wretched diet, doesn't exercise. And she's getting Botox injections in her neck. Yep. In her neck. Of course. Wait, why is her neck? neck, Because the neck is causing the tight muscles causing the headache. Obviously. Uh. And so, and I thought maybe she had turkey neck. (laughs) So she was like tightening it up with the Botox. (laughs) I mean, you just have to tap the box. Yeah. (laughs) So, but you know, I think the problem is that people, there's so much misplaced precision. And you've said, you know, why aren't you looking at this? How are we measuring lifestyle nutrition? You are saying, you know, why aren't you just doing these basic things? And why can't you experiment on yourself? I think you've really given people, you know, I think there's a tide change where people are, are being responsible for their own health and nutrition differently because we have yeah. access to technology. Yep. The QSing yeah. movement has qualitative, you know, self yeah. has blown open what's possible. But you really gave permission to think of like, I'm an N of one. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop eating carbohydrates and what happens. Like yeah. you have that right to t- 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 tinker. Absolutely. You came in and were like, Hey, we can measure that. And if you're already doing this best practice, how do you know it's best practice? Yeah. And that was what was so amazing because you're obviously like, I refer, we have complex friends, I refer them to Major. Like, yep. He's already, you know, I'm like, you should really talk to what's going on, you know, our guy. And, and what this has really done is saying once you pull out the roadblocks, you may need some additional help to reset the system, the stasis. But, yep. you know, now we're left with how do we manage, how do we, Deal with people who we know are going to be compromised. Yeah. Your job's going to compromise you because you're just under so much stress. You're a soldier. You're yeah. not going to sleep. Now what? Yeah. You know? Well, that
0: brings up, and if any of you can hear the uh, the odd talk, 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 talk noise, that is a senile cat that lives above me that loves playing with the Super ball. So there you have it. That deserves more wine. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, Justin. Yes. I, was going to, I really do want to call you doctor major. It just sounds so credible, which you are, of course. So I wanted to ask you of the, uh, the common practices that you see in medicine, uh, particularly as it pertains to blood testing or testing in general, just establishing a baseline, figuring out where you are. Uh, what are the most, what are some of the tests that you think are neglected? What are some of the common perhaps mistakes or glaring deficits of how, Traditional medicine approaches testing, so you can tackle that from any. Yeah, no, it's, I'm it's, just trying it's, to figure out because there are a lot of people listening. I'm sure who go to the doctor once a year. They get a snapshot. There's no trending. If they're in range, see you next year. That's it. You know what I mean? The it's,
1: check and engine oil. The check right. engine oil light is not on. Yeah, yeah. Carry it's on. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, I, I, you
2: know, I mean, it, it is a huge. It's a huge box to open, but um, but. You know, a couple of the things that you, you know, kind of alluded to with even, even as you kind of led into that is that one is that first you have to kind of, there, there's a, there's a, there's a psyche and an ideology of like, we, we want to judge things as good and bad. Uh, and so there's this idea that inflammation is bad. This right. is good. You know, high cholesterol bad. This is, good, you know, low cholesterol good. Um, and so like one, you have to understand, what blood testing actually represents, you know, yeah. so first of all, you said the first thing, it's a snapshot, it's yeah. a moment in time. And we're not, uh, an object, we're a process. Right. Uh, <laughs> so you have to understand, like you know, that. yeah, not cool. only like, you have to understand the context of what your what the person or the individual is in comparatively to, you know, I'm going to gonna get us more, carry on more. great. Uh, great beverage. Extract. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what I mean, so, so, I mean, you know, say something like, you know, you, you know, there's some literature that suggests that if you have high LDL cholesterol, you can actually build more lean body mass uh, at a quicker rate. So if you're in a strength building phase, it actually might be to your advantage to actually have that present. So, uh, so, so you need to know context. You need to know that it is a snapshot. Um, I actually think that it's a tragedy that, testing is so damn expensive given that technology in fields like information technology and computers has increased you know exponentially at at such a better uh, price point we need people to get many more data sets you know and there are companies like Theranos that are out there trying to break that barrier down um but you know so i want more testing i want context and then you have to understand what the marker actually represents not just a judgment of whether it's a good or bad marker. What the hell is cholesterol? You know, I, I like to ask that to physicians, um, especially if they're antagonizing me uh, about <laughs> my practice methods. You know, I say, hey, you know, what does, uh, you know, what does cholesterol do? Uh, and it's interesting because a lot of them will take a step back and they'll fumble because they're so indoctrinated into the algorithm of all I really need to do is identify high cholesterol and treat it uh, versus understanding what the hell, uh, cholesterol, what purpose it serves, uh, in the human body. Um, so when you're asking Tim, like what markers I would look at, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, I I can tell you what I look at most, you know, commonly, uh, I look at, you know, I mean, I look at things like, um, homocysteine, which is a, which is a marker, of metabolic efficiency. Um and you know, conventional medicine looks at it as if it were elevated it can increase your risk of having blood clots and strokes and, and heart attacks. Um, but really there's this common cause cog in the human body that takes carbon units and transfers them to other molecules, whether we're building things in the body. And so the ability of the body to actually do that is called methylation. It's donating a carbon and a hydrogen. And so methionine is an essential amino acid, is a main donor. And then you have B12 and folic acid, which are vitamins that are crucial for recycling that process to keep the metabolism going efficiently. So like I look at it, I mean, and that's something where with Juliet, um, when we looked at her homocysteine levels, it was, they were tremendously higher than you would want. Uh, you know, and so then we said, okay, wait a second. Is she B12 deficient? Is she folic acid deficient? Does she have a gene variation that doesn't allow her to activate the folic acid properly? And so we went down those paths and we kind of uncovered that and sort of gave her body a break and gave it some relief and allowed it to actually catch up metabolically, Mm -hmm. which strangely enough, improved things like her mood correct <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, uh, how about her awesomeness we'll just go that <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but you know you bring up I mean it's the first and foremost is that you know you're in my education given a cursory cheers boss cheers again go eye contact eye contact thank you <laughs> the um you know, Scandinavian here i will be the judge <laughs> if I got that I don't want bad sex for a million years. the you know, that would ruin our I, relationship <laughs> Again, <laughs> I had to dig and go back and sort of review. I think one of the problems is, and I think you've done a good job of this, Tim, is that you You said, hey, look, if we give people better ideas, they'll make better, better information, they'll make better decisions. You, you absolutely disempower. And people don't have any of the information, which is free, which is available. And now it's easy to find. Mm-hmm. Like when you started For Our Body – it was a wasteland it like was when tough. you started. It's it. Super tough. And now if you have to honestly say that now, how many years later? So when did you start writing that book? Two thousand eight to two thousand. Now, yeah, it is a completely different universe. Different lands. I mean, you can go to gluten get gluten free magazine at the like, <laughs> yeah. yeah right. I mean, like yeah. something has changed, oh, yeah, right? So changed. if if that's changed and people are taking fish oil. You no, know, you have to educate yourself because if you're not asking your physician or de- developing a relationship with your physician and hoping that they're going to initiate this conversation, you're wrong. And yep. this is, I think, the real issue is that yep. you've got to, it's on me to ask for some of these basics. Oh, definitely. And I think also,
0: and, uh, yeah, Justin, I love your two cents on this, but I, I, I imagine I'm somewhat compulsive with my blood testing. I've toned it down a little bit, mm-hmm. but I mean, <laughs> you have- I used to be like every two to four weeks. Granted, I was doing some pretty fucked up stuff to myself, but, uh, you know, now it's just once every two or three months, but
1: it doesn't kill you. It makes you stronger.
0: That's right. That's right. Hormesis, hormesis. That's, uh, it's kind of like Princess Bride and that guy slowly takes small amounts of poison so that when he goes against exactly the Sicilian, when death is on the line, then you (laughs) win the game. So, uh, but how often do you feel uh, people should, and I agree with you that it's it's kind of silly how expensive it still is um, to to have proper blood testing done. And I'm actually involved with a company called um, Sano Intelligence, which is hopefully going to uh, develop... Basically what looks like a nicotine patch that can do, um, tracking of biomarkers and trending of biomarkers 24 seven. Amazing. We'll see. Dude, Obviously. Uh, sign me yeah, up.
1: Yeah. Like I it, absolutely right. And uh, how do you know what you know? Honestly, you know, yeah, uh, you know, people say diet and exercise. I love this. Greg Glassman is like, Oh yeah. Which diet and what exercise? Fool. You know, what I mean, like really. Right. And you mentioned something that was really latent. I think that I don't know if, I don't know how much you stepped on this or not, but there is a genetic component to this whole thing. No. Yeah. It turns out, wait for it, I don't process saturated fats like everyone else does. Right. You don't. Yeah. I can't eat bacon five meals a day and yeah. come out on So wait, how, did right. you, how did you figure this out? Because I had my blood tested and I had some of my genes tested. Hmm. And what they said was, you don't handle the saturated fats. You need a little bit less saturated fat. You should be lean paleo or hmm. lean-ish, right? Correct. So how did you change
0: your diet Supplements, etc., as a result of that?
1: Uh, well, essentially, Major put me on some niacin. Yeah. You know, that Good I tinkered with. But with, I like it just for the flush. I, feel like, I, I don't I, mind I, the, I, People freak out about the flush. Yeah. I'm like, it kind of feels, I don't mind it. <laughs> Maybe I should take some more flush again. Uh, the niacin <laughs> nice and flush. You just wait until you have menopause. It's going to be. Truth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, w- what happened uh, You know was that I, I stopped eating as much bacon. Mm-hmm. You know, the the pieces for me, when I ran into major the first time... So I thought that was an exaggeration of the bacon fun. No, no, day. really. It was. Like, <laughs> and I stopped eating as much red meat, you yeah. know, because all the red meat I was eating was mostly grass-fed. Yeah. But sometimes it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And so I made decisions. I started eating more fish. I started right. eating more chicken. I started eating more, you know, leaner leaner things. And, and that has made a difference. I mean, yeah. but I was living the lie that I see so many people living where like, oh, I I can live on five hours. Of sleep. Oh, really? Oh, there's not a single study where you need only five hours of sleep. And yeah. you know, people are like, oh, Bill Clinton. I'm like, yeah, and he had a hard fucking heart attack. like yeah. you know. And plus I mean? he's
0: a fucking android. Like, I mean, he's like, right. he's
1: Bishop from aliens. I mean, <laughs> he told- that guy, comma, a- heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> he, Both. He, he died. Yeah. We kept him alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. That's, like, stop that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah. right. you know, but I, I think I stopped. I was traveling and not sleeping. You know, um, this is interesting. I work with the uh, San Jose Sharks, yeah. right? Uh, Mike Potenza is the great strength coach there. Really integrated approach. But the Sharks have to travel to a hockey team. They have to travel in all the time zones. And the, they started working with the sleep researchers at Stanford. And Stanford, Shannon Turley and the, the strength conditioning there, they're doing like progressive integrated approach, mm-hmm. which is, which we'll bring back to something we said earlier, but the, the Stanford people say for every hour of time change and all the people who are listening who are time travelers you know they travel from east coast to west coast it's an entire day for every hour wow and i started taking my so wait what does that mean so if you travel five hours across the country it takes you five days to normalize again that's hmm. how the have you ever seen this study what if of, you
0: fuck yourself well fuck yourself
1: fuck with yourself
0: here we go Let's you can only optimize with, it. like melatonin well, you can only and optimize someone, you're yeah. still
1: you're uh, still intermittent. fasting might help too right that's right so we're going to come back to that. So don't let me forget, or well, you can go for it. Well, well this, this is it. So what? How, how do I minimize the yeah. compromise? Which yeah. is one of the things a lot of people are only going
0: to be in one place for two days, right? Right. sharks that are bouncing. You fly back, back and now yeah. you're
1: screwed again. Yeah. And all you have to do, you can get a blood glucose meter, at, which I think is the cheapest form of testing. Oh, really? You want to find out what the real truth is about your life? Go pay $12. At Go to Walgreens, Walgreens and, and get a. Food. Yeah, exactly. So I start taking my, my blood glucose, eating like a monk. Okay, I'm not going to drink wine. I'm not going to eat cookies. I'm going to like. But I, I would come back and I would be. My, my blood glucose would be 99 hmm. because I would just be fucked up from the yeah. travel. And yeah. I'd be like, oh, pre diabetic. That's great. Yeah. And I'm doing everything right <laughs> and I'm pre diabetic. And I would be pre diabetic for like 24 to 48 hours. Wow. You know? Yeah. And yep. now. I have a glass of wine to unwind because that's how I'm coping with the sympathetic stress. And you can see how whoop I suddenly cycle into this piece. I stopped sleeping more, I have to travel less because I've been able to make some changes. I sleep plus nine hours a night. Yeah, me too. Me too. And everything has changed. People always ask me, they're like, Oh, you must sleep like two hours a night. Like it's a waste of time. I'm like, no,
0: no. I love pounds of muscle.
1: Ten pounds. In what period? How long? Since October.
0: That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, literally, you're already pretty meaty, dude. You're, what? you're, like, one of your quads is probably my body weight, I should sure. guess. Ah,
1: you know,
0: yeah. you know, on, on a, a, a
1: weekday.
2: You know, on on there was a study, uh, <laughs> I think about two years ago now where they calorically restricted two groups of individuals and the intervention was that they restricted, they allowed one group to sleep eight hours. They restricted sleep to five hours in the second group. In that second, they both lost about the same amount of weight. Actually, the group that slept five hours a night, Lost like two kilos and the group that slept eight hours lost 1.9 kilos, right? Um, what they did that was more sophisticated was they did body comp. Body comp. Yeah. Cool. Group that slept five hours lost 60% more muscle, 50% less fat group that slept eight and the group that slept eight hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, there, there's huge, no doubt. You know what I mean? That, you know, getting that integration time and getting that sleep and that repair and that recovery. I mean, I always use the heart as a nice example of life where people are like, wow, the heart's always working. It's beating every, you know, as soon as it stops beating, you start beating. Right. Right. Um, but no matter what the heart rate is, it maintains a one third work, two thirds rest ratio. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a great kind of thing that I think that we should bring into our lives. And it's one of those things where, um, I actually think that you know some of the work that you started with the self experimentation, and then when you start having the the, the personal
0: digital health
1: was it, was it Rio? Was that the sleep thing? Zio. Oh, Zio. Yeah, yeah it's yeah.
0: unfortunate they went out of business. Yeah. Ben Rubin, it oh, was, that was good, good. It was good. Yeah, I really people, enjoyed that. It was
1: ahead of its time. That's the problem? Yeah, people don't understand what goal was.
0: Well, right, not to like totally pull us off track, but there is no track, so there's no uh, no fault there. The you know, there's it's it's unfortunate when you have fantastic ideas and implementation that are just two or three years early. It was two or three years early. And yeah. as a result, it's really expensive, right? Because the componentry, especially in, say, hardware, hasn't become cheap enough. Uh, mass adoption isn't there. Like Quantified Self, I was at the very first Quantified Self meeting, I think it was in 2008, yeah. at Kevin Kelly's house, founding editor of Wired in Pacifica, just in a living room with 20-some people and a whiteboard. And I talked about performance enhancing drugs and freaked everybody out. It was great. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it was a weird fringe thing then. It's like, but now how many people have Nike fuel bands? How many people have jawbone bands? How many people have fit beds? And it's
1: become a normal thing. And I remember people were asking me, they're like, when is this? How about counting your macronutrient blocks? That's QSing. Yeah. I mean, like absolutely. just being self aware.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so, so, you know, Zio was a few years ahead of its time and it just, as many are, when you're on the front lines, like, all right, you're going to take the arrows first. You're just a couple of years early. It's right. just like there were MP3 players before the, before the iPod too early. And then Here's Jobs what- came in and was like, thanks for doing a lot of free R&D for us. <laughs>
1: right, That looks really promising. Now we're going to kill you. All. Here's what you can do. Have a cup of coffee at one o'clock in the afternoon. See how your quality of your sleep is. Mm. Don't drink caffeine after, but you keep your caffeine in the morning. See what you, I mean. You can test this. Yeah, you know, th- these are where the zeal was a great way of actually measuring it yeah. and seeing it. The quality yeah. of your sleep sucks when you have that four o'clock pick me up. Oh, definitely. You know? And, you know, it's it's uh, this is something that Seth
0: Roberts has talked about a lot. Um, who's a professor emeritus from Berkeley. Have you guys ever met Seth? No. he's an interesting guy. He's no. a very, very smart guy. He wrote this diet he wrote a book called the shangri la diet mm-hmm. um which sounds almost as bad as the four hour work week in terms of like information uh, or I'm sorry. Whatever it,
1: like, I named becoming right? a supple leopard because of you motherfucker. Oh, it's perfect. No, I like your title. <laughs> Catches in your car. You can't forget oh, it. Right. like, what's a supple leopard? I'm like for our body bitches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> that was it. thank you very much. Sam
0: you're yes. welcome. And it's like the more like an, infomer- uh, infomercial product sounds the, 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 more, the more mileage you're going to get out of it. So supple leopard is fucking money. I like it. Uh, where the hell was I going with all this? So Seth, the, the Shangri-La diet. That's right. So, so Seth noticed that if you consume calories, it could literally be sugar water, sucrose in water. If you consume calories that are disassociated from a known food and you pinch your nose so you, you, you void the olfactory portion of it, you can inhibit your appetite by like 40% kilocalories consumed per day it's fucking wild shit right and uh but, but, but how do we dissociate
1: that in the first place
0: yeah you know no no but what's what's so fascinating i mean the point that seth has made before uh is that you know science is good at testing hypotheses traditional science is not good at coming up with novel ideas and if you want to and i think that the the American public and just the global public in general. But I think especially in the U S in lieu of religion has come to treat like science in quotation marks as like the church, the gospel. Right. Absolutely. And therefore they're like, Oh, well how do you know that? Have there been, they have a couple of buzzwords that they can throw around, which is like, has there been a double blind, random placebo control, control tri- blah, blah, blah yes, on absolutely. diet. And you're like, no, because the following hundred reasons, uh, no one can profit from it. Therefore, it's hard to find funding. Secondly, it's a longitudinal study, really expensive. Thirdly, it's observational. So blah, blah, blah. They can't really, they can infer but not prove cause and effect, blah, 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 blah. So what that means is like, if you really want to figure out like, is coffee fucking up my sleep? You have to do it yourself. It's not going to be sponsored by the government or the NIH. Sorry, it's just not going to happen. And if it's going to happen, it's going to take five to 10 years. So and guess what? Surprise! You're responsible for your own life, and you need to test yourself. The good news is, with tools, whether it's a Zio or you could use a band that—and this is an inference, obviously—but that measures movement, you can get an indication of what might be, say, deep sleep, and that's really empowering. I mean, I'm just like so excited. I cannot wait until we get to a point where you can track important. Biomarkers without a phlebotomist, right? Because right now it's like, that's just expensive. It's a lot NPM, of people. It's, it's a not, lot of mailing. It's not it's,
1: all the time. Like it's not yeah. right now, every day. You know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of, Distance between the cup and the lip. You know what I mean? yeah, like, you,
0: wait, wait, explain. This is but, I like I
1: know, how that sounds. Many a slip betwixt the cup and the lip. That's the joke. But like the I've issue. Never is that heard that.
0: I'm so embarrassed. I feel uncultured.
1: <laughs> you are sitting with two doctors, <laughs> yeah, that's true. even though you are the most experienced amongst us. The um, just that notion that if I see if I see I get a panel every three months or what? once a month because I'm really ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes on. How did I manage that piece of work? I went through two weeks. My, my kid didn't sleep. You know, I, I think what's interesting now is we're seeing so many people, you know, come up with best practice. I'm like, are you a monk? Do you not? Like, I started playing around with, um, RestWise. Did you you know Matt Weatherly White and those guys at RestWise?
0: Yeah, what's RestWise? No, no.
1: Well, it was, uh, they came up with a really good algorithm for are you recovering? Recovering from your workout or not.
0: Is this like heart variability testing? No, no
1: HRV. They looked at SAO2, so your oxygen saturation in the morning. Because if you you dipped a couple beats, then you saw inflammation in your lungs. So you could actually – if you – you know that question, the burning old question. We figured this out because we were watching it. I have a cold. Do I exercise or not? Yeah. What I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And 50% of the time you gamble and you're like, bam, I got better. I you were making you're making your jerking up. No, that's jerking. That's, that's the it's dice gambling. Throw. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you, <laughs> right. so, Oh, wow. That was joking. And 50% <laughs> of the time I, I exercise and I get sick. Well, it turns out that if you just track, you can get a little auction sensor on eBay or on yeah. Amazon They're for like cheap. 10 bucks now. So cheap. Right. So that technology yeah. is brought down. You can, and if you're, if you dip one or two points, you're seeing inflammation in the lungs, which indicates the severity of your cold, that it's not upper respiratory. It's starting to go lower respiratory. And now you shouldn't breathe hard because you're going to blow that out. And we mm. just, we're, for athletes, we're saying, Hey, don't exercise if you see this thing. And people were able to train through colds or not train through colds, but they looked at, you know, uh, that heart rate in the morning, resting heart rate, obviously old marker, uh, soreness, a whole bunch of things. It took like 45 seconds to kind of do the the gambit. But our daughters used to come charge us in the morning, and you know, and we'd go from zero to I'm awake. Holy shit! Like, what's going on? And my heart rate would spike every morning, and I wouldn't lay there quietly taking my heart rate. <laughs> and we were like, "Well, this is fucked." And like, so I, you know, I, mean, I think I think this is the problem. Like, we ask I ask every single professional team, and I. Go everywhere and say, yeah. "Well, I'm like, do you use heart rate variability? Yeah. Do you use some kind of yeah. uh, metric of you know, with your following Joel Jamison or someone else looking at heart rate, you know?" And they they're like, "Yes or no," because it's 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 so sophisticated, but we're getting the snapshot of a 22 year old who drank, you know, went out and drinking Monster Red Bulls, and yeah. you know, and it, it doesn't. It's a lot of misplaced precision.
2: Yeah. Well, there's I'll, there's yeah, a yeah, there's ahead. a there's a couple. Couple things that that I want to comment on that you brought up. Like well one is is that the interesting thing is is that I, I think that one of our problems in in progress in no matter what field we're talking about is is that we assume that we know what the hell we're talking about. Uh, you know, in that we're going to perfect, you know, <laughs> to, to further. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, because I mean, you just said, you know, we wanted to look at this and observe. I mean, in, in all these big breakthroughs in science and medicine, oftentimes are kind of these observations that are unintended uh, observations. See Alice and Viagra being a penicillin, huge, huge one. Penicillin being a huge one. Right. Um, so I, I think that, you know, when you're talking about digital health, Technology or self experimentation, the the opportunity there is discovery. And when you have an n of one, you have self discovery. When you have five million n of ones, then you have a collective discovery. And, and so I actually think that, um, like health tracking and in in personal health devices, I think it's actually going to be part of like the next human rights movement, where we actually. Get to understand and know how damaging some of the aspects of society and work and our work-life balance and all that stuff actually really impacts us. Um, another thing uh, that I thought of.
1: Na- nailed. 100% agree with that.
2: Yeah. N- and another thing, there. another thing that you actually bring up that, that, I think it's a good counterpoint is that I'm I'm actually working with uh with a with an individual Sammy Inkinen who was uh, the one of the co-founders or founders of Trulia uh the, cool. the real estate website yeah. um and he is a really you know big triathlete and he and his wife um they actually decided that they're going to enter into the open ocean rowing um race from Monterey to Hawaii right and they don't have open ocean experience and then they're going to do it on a low carbohydrate diet uh, to bring awareness to kind of like the dangers of fructose and high yeah. carbohydrates and, and that sort of thing in their expeditions called fat chance. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting, you
1: know, uh, and so, but that's a, one, that's a lot to take on. It is. No, it's, it's amazing, you know, and, and actually, um, you know, Zabriskie trained this whole last year using UCAN. Oh, this modified starch. Yeah, super starch. Yeah, and. I have got some weekend over there. Uh, well, it's, I mean, these modified starches now, you know. And, I mean, not to, to hijack what you're saying. No, this is so interesting, but like, people are tinkering with millions of dollars on the line. Yeah. Right. No,
2: I, I, absolutely. I mean, in, in what the one thing. I'm going to be
0: the ass for a second. Who's Zabrinsky?
1: Zabrinsky, uh, the the track superstar. Ah, David okay. Zabrinsky, like, cycling that. badass. Okay, cool. But worked for work Mark Sisson. Because you know what we're finding is now, as you said, oh, where's works the mark, yeah. Oh, cool. N all of right. one becomes n of five hundred and n of a thousand. We start to know patterns. It's about yeah. pattern recognition. It is, and you can't eat like a douchebag, even if you're an endurance athlete, buffering it both exercise and all of a sudden you stop and whoop, you fall apart. Like you yeah. have to come out unharmed at one rep or a million reps or a million days, yeah. Because you're going to be 110 if you end up pre-diabetic. Right. And your forties or fifties, because you were a triathlete eating exactly what they told you to eat. Gels, a hundred times. Well, we didn't know. Like, yeah. okay. How many gels do I need? You know, yeah. Kelly, you know? Right. So, right. I mean, this right. is so interesting.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: I mean, in, in, so to, to,
2: to finish with Sammy, like, one of the things I really um, appreciate when I first met him, you know, we were talking and he said, look, you know, I was training for a triathlon and I started doing, you know, heart rate variability and, Tr- tracking and, and just really getting very comprehensive about what he was doing. And he was trying to figure out what his edge for overtraining and his training volume was. Um, and he said at the end of like nine months of doing all these different, you know, basal body temperatures, you know, morning heart rate variability, he said that what he found was the most reliable um, source of information for him was when he woke up, what his instinct was, how did I feel today? Um, and he said that that was the most reliable indicator of how much he can push volume and train And the beautiful thing about that is, is that, you know, some people would say, ah, well then look at all that bullshit of heart rate variability. And so, which I think is a fantastic piece of information. I also think that, you know, mental, emotional states, um, really can influence that just as much as physiologic states like overtraining. And so it's tricky, right? Um, but, um, at the same time, like his, his journey, uh, of looking into this led him to a heightened state of confidence in his inner compass. Uh, and, and like, to me, I think that that's ultimately the victory because a lot of times when I'm working with, you know, really interesting people and high level executives and people that can kind of spend some of these, some of their resources into kind of looking and, and analyzing and, and all this technologically advanced tools and data, which is, is really fun. At the end of the day, what I really want to give back to people is kind of this empowerment that listen to yourself, get involved with yourself, have a high expectation for your life and for your health and for what you can achieve, and go after it. You don't need all the technology. Well, it's, it's, good
1: it's, it's good animal. It's good animal health. Start knocking off the big ass heavy boots you walk around because you can't hear it because you're hung over from your ambient sleep. You know you you can't hear it because you drink. Five nights a week, you can't hear it because you haven't slept. You can't hear it because your your diet is shitty. You don't move at all. You don't even have a movement practice. I mean, I think that's you. You you start to be able to. You really like if you if you eat like an ass, Tim, you know it. Truthful yeah, words. yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I get heartburn and diarrhea, <laughs> and I'm not saying it's not worth it because sometimes it's worth it. But <laughs> <laughs> I know what's coming down the pipe. I right? yeah. literally,
0: I have a dumpling evening coming tomorrow. Oh, I'm right. like, all
1: right, all right, um, let, me, yeah, girt,
0: I, let me gird my loins and my
1: GI tract. I'm ready. Bring me my brown pants. Right. Right? So, <laughs> this might be
2: this might be too medical, but what still fascinates me is that. <laughs> Is how much you know hot wings burn my lips and my asshole. Damn, <laughs> yeah,
1: just like a little twelve-hour yeah, delivery. We, had, we, were, we were having Chinese food with Georgia, and Georgia has—I've been weaning my daughters,
0: your daughter, onto hot food. Now this is five-year-old, year-old. Yes, which one? Georgia Can't be and both. Old,
1: old, okay. But both my kids are in into <laughs> hot food. Okay. Georgia is like Frank's Red Hot was her gateway drug.
0: Yes. And
1: now, literally, I saw her sneak my, like, Belizean habanero sauce. She put a little dot Ooh. on something the other day, and I was like, oh, do I mention it? Mm-hmm. Like, I just let it go. I pretend like I didn't see it. Yeah. But uh, we were having Chinese food, and I was like, Georgia, take a, take a spoonful of this hot chili paste. And she's like, no, no, no. I was like, $20. <laughs> and she's like, and I was like, like $30. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, how old is this stuff? Eight. Nice. I was like...
0: $50. That's a fucking and, and that's she, like a Scrooge McDuck back, backstroking oh, through a fucking oh, pool of I know, I right know. Yeah.
1: and literally I just kept going higher and higher and then and then literally she starts to go for it I was like you know that's going to be hot twice and she's like what do you mean and I was yeah. like you've never experienced that really? <laughs> I had to explain to her the ring of fire yeah. and she's like there's not a amount of money Dad. sorry <laughs> and she walked away wow she sounds
0: like the next Warren Buffett dude. You that's, a, that's you an see. amazing I was like decision. what? Like, so there's a the money the intelligence
2: it's a Juliet. Oh!
1: <laughs> did you ever see that experiment that um, that you could ascertain self-control? Oh, with or, the cookies, or, with the cookies. Do you remember that? How did we have this conversation? No, we didn't. Well, but I know you exactly. know the experiment. No, you should. You should talk about it. Go for it. <laughs> so
0: they basically, this
1: is amazing. They basically <laughs> said that like if you could delay personal gratification, and like success in life, <laughs> success yeah. in life, yeah. you could delay personal gratification. Then that really was a good measure of how you were going to do in life. Yes. You know, because I would work hard towards a goal that is transient or in the future yes and you could measure that in kids if you literally gave them a cookie and said if you just wait i'll give you two cookies <laughs> and literally georgia was like how long do i have to wait to get three cookies that's and beautiful. Like, hey, like she was just like she was on it and and i got bored and i was like all right here's three cookies <laughs> <laughs> and this kid is obviously like wow well, i know that's I know. amazing it
2: is yeah that's interesting
1: you know you know, I- you know for men uh, you know that that instinct of how you feel in the morning. People are just out of touch with really yeah. like the gut instinct. It really is true about so much. Desire to train. I'm 40 now. I just turned 40, and so much like it's gonna get, be a good decade. Congratulations. True fact. I turned well, 40 last month. Oh hey, hey I'm, I'm, I'm nipping at your heels. I'm 36. <laughs> I'm getting there. Jesus sat under the tree for how many days? I 40 that. days. Buddha sat on the tree for how many days? 40, forty days. So it wasn't true. It was the desert. But it turns out forty is this purification. Like it's a, it's a it's a serious use it. I'm. i uh, Rome I'm Rome. Rome Believe that like you weren't like you. The forties when life began. Like you Ooh, lived now. I like that you idea. Be mm. Forty. Mm. But uh, you know one of the the instincts. Some of the best coaches in the world. It's so interesting when you hear. You understand what the masters say. You have that you know that Zen Cohen, You know yeah, yeah. like when the frying pan is hot, we cook. And, and the coach knows when you're doing well or not well based on the day. And it doesn't matter what metric it is. It's a lifetime of pattern recognition. It's, it's data chunking. It's all the things that we think are important. The coach says, you're not moving well. We're going to back off volume. We're going to back. And that's why it's so important. That people have coaches when they can do it. Well,
0: here's a question for you. So in your experience, and we can talk about specific to high level athletic training, what makes a good coach in your mind? What's a good coach? What characterizes a good coach versus a mediocre coach or a great coach? What makes a great coach? It's
1: some intangible. Do, can you understand what you're seeing? Yeah. You know, I think that's really because a lot of people are really good at. I know some really, really talented programmers who yeah. who read the, the studies from the 80s from the Russians. Yeah. But they don't know what they're seeing. And then, and then also there's, they're good at prescribing, but not observing. Or, or, yeah. And, and then there's a huge psychosocial component to this whole thing. And to pull that out makes you an ass. You know, like, what do you mean? Well, if you're, you don't know what's going on in your athlete's life and, Mm -hmm. and how to motivate or back off or meet the needs. Like, you know, if you're a good therapist, you know, you immediately match the posture and position of your patients. Yeah. And like so, if someone comes in to talk, I'm up like this. And if someone comes in with, you know, I really will match their affect yeah. and 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 pat tone pattern and and I speak very slowly. Or you know, I mean, yes. you yes. and you have to relate. And literally, people would peg me. I'm a big guy. I'm six like two two thirty. And people would be like meathead. And then they'd be like, Wow, I didn't realize that you could work with that ninety eight year old, you know, woman. And I was like, Well, it turns out. I'm a person and relating to that person is what's most important. Not, you know, one size fits all. It's that coach who can motivate underneath that. How do you, how do you codify that and teach that systematically? It's tricky. Super tough.
2: It's a science and art. Just every aspect of life has that science component. It has that art component. I mean, an hour before I came here tonight, I have a, I have a high level executive in San Francisco say, "I, I need to stop over for five minutes he comes and he describes having chest pain, you know what I mean? And we're like, you know, in the, in the, in the intense five minutes. He, at, yeah, totally. You know what I mean? And it's like, and, you know, and he, ta- and he's like, I called my cardiologist and he said, go to the ED. Uh, and I'm like, emergency department. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good recommendation. Uh You know what I mean? Like why, you know, why risk it and that sort of yeah. thing? But but you know he's like well one you know I have a giant meeting tomorrow and yeah, like I, I don't you know be and, we talk, and we talked and we talked it out and that sort of thing you know and, and and ultimately you know I still say, you know he he he, he is in control I mean it is, and it's why I like working with executives in the sense that they have a good sense of destiny and they have a lot of sense of personal responsibility. So, yeah. so I, like on one hand and I checked in with him, I'm like, look, you know, a lot of people are in denial of what's going on. Uh, and I don't want you to be in denial, you know? And, uh, and he's, and he, he checked in with that. But I, but I also did say to him that, you know, one of the things that I, I appreciated in when I worked in the hospital, say, was that I had a sense of like instant recognition of a sick animal. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so when they come in and they look sick, I'm like, okay, something is really wrong with this individual. And so then you start really kind of like yeah. digging in versus he didn't look like a sick animal. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Uh And so I at least, you know, shared it with that. I didn't want to give him like, you know, false confidence. But there is an art of like knowing that's nonverbal. Uh, yeah. That's just kind of you're just with somebody. What you just said was really cool because like, you know, I came across an Edgar Allan Poe, Um, quote, and he said that if I really want to know, um, what another man is thinking, I fashion my face and my posture as closely as I can to what they're showing me. And I just kind of see what emotions arise and, you
1: know, people that way. Uh, and, and and those things are integrated systems and why, why shouldn't they be, you know? I mean, literally, you know, what was that great study that was like slouching causes cortisol rise because it's a defensive, like it's a posture, it's a posture, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, people have forgotten that the brain exists for one reason to move you through the environment so you can interact, feed yourself, cognition bootstrapped on top of that. Not right. die, fuck things. That's right. I think those are two the, big that's it, but that's that's the first piece, and then cognition is bootstrapped on top of that. Yeah, feed yourself, reproduce, run away from danger, right? Not yeah. die, yeah. <laughs> Lots of sex, comma, right. but those things are vertically integrated. <laughs> True, you know, and so. But what's happened, you know, Daniel Coyle's book was fantastic. So I'm sorry, say that. this again. I don't Daniel Coyle's book, uh, Talent Code. Oh, dude, this is this book has come up over and over again. No, no I brainer. still
0: have not read. Looking
1: it. at skill as a
0: biologic.
1: Talks about like these little Russian factories for tennis players and all that. Uh, you got to read that. You also have to read, uh, and everyone needs to read David Epstein's The Talent Gene.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: know. Uh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, sports gene, maybe sports gene. Um, you'll find it, it like really looking at this, this genetic component to chunking, learning. Huge. A, huge. Like, like, you have a skill, yeah. but like you also have an innate ability to learn yeah. a skill, right? And what, what makes you you. Yeah. My, if you ask my wife, like, what are my two skills? Right. She'll say, I can mimic anyone. Mm-hmm. Which allows me to understand how you move and why you move. It really has changed my my, yep. my practice. You don't wanna mimic
0: me, man. You'll flick yeah. up your hips. Yeah, anyway. <laughs>
1: Again. <laughs> and uh you know, the key is you know, like I, I literally I became obsessed. I watched Lincoln and I watched uh Dan Day Lewis walk like Lincoln. Amazing and I left walking like Lincoln. <laughs> walking like Danny Lewis walked like Lincoln and I was like, that fucked him up. Like, Man. and Julia was like, you've got to stop doing that. <laughs> and I was like, that guy had these problems and like, I was like, <laughs> like, he lived in that, that weird posture. Yeah. You know, and then I have pattern recognition and like the, being able to yeah. mimic those things really, really matters.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, actually, I I was having a conversation with Dana Carvey one uh morning, and Dana he, Carvey, like
0: church lady, yeah, like Car- church lady nice. Dana Carvey, you know.
2: And and one of the cool things he said to me, and I didn't really, he's like, we were talking about his impersonations. He's like, he's insane. Yeah, he goes, really, you gotta just he, it's pattern recognition. And so uh-huh. he like broke into talking to me about it, talking to me from the voice of Barack Obama, and he was just having a conversation with me, just following the intonations and yeah. the ebb and flow. You know, that I don't, I'm not even
1: going to it. But it's pattern recognition. Uh, it was total pattern car- recognition. Caricature drawers, same. They identify the Muslims, patterns. They see, they see the patterns. And that, I mean, I think that this is, you can turn that on yourself a little bit. And I mean, literally like, right. it's so, tra- people are so easy to read and so transparent.
2: Yeah. That, and and it's, it's interesting because like, you know, there's all these kind of mystical statements too, that it's like, if you know yourself, you, you'll know all people. Uh, and, and it's like, and it's, and it's that polarity, even in medicine where, you know, we all have a unique set of circumstances. We have a unique set of genes. We have a unique set of environments. Um, but we are overwhelmingly fundamentally human. And as soon as we kind of grasp that and find kind of like the balance point between those two, um, polarities, that's when you really kind of grasp the whole picture. You know what I mean? Because I used to, I used to be such a big, you know, kind of detractor of like genetics. You know what I mean? I'm like, ah, God, it's all about gene expression and that sort of thing. And, and I still think that that's one of the graces of it all is is that you know you have your genetic disposition. And by the way, there's a lot of intelligence there in in almost every gene. When people look at it, they're like, oh, that's a deficient gene. I kind of look at it like, no, how's that a survival advantage? And so if you're like APOE genotype is one that quote unquote has the thrifty gene, so that you absorb every freaking calorie you can out of fat, you know, that's through your diet. A yeah, huge survival man. It's a huge survival event. It. It's a superior gene. Yeah. It just found its way into modern life where we just have so aesthetics. much availability. Yeah.
0: Donuts the problem.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the Krispy Kreme like, friendly gene.
0: So understand it. You know, well, little little, let me jump in for a second. So uh this is this is a question I'm always fascinated by. I mean uh, you guys are both very world class at different but overlapping things. So Kelly talked about his sort of two two unique gifts among hundreds, I'm sure.
1: At least three. Uh, at, at least three. Trick least I tricked a <laughs> <tricky> woman <laughs> and Juliet into marrying me. Yeah. Three.
0: Smart move. Smart move. Definitely raise the average on, on, on the, on the, on the offspring. So what, uh, what do people consider you or what do you consider yourself world-class at? Like what are, what are, or, or gifts? Like what, what, what makes you different from other doctors?
2: You know, my, my honest, my honest answer to that is, is that it, it's, I am extraordinary, extraordinary. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't like, I, I I feel like I came into life with a set of circumstances where, um, I threw myself to life to kind of help me out. You know what I mean? And I did not have an ego. I had an openness that I wanted to just kind of, I wanted to know, I wanted to survive. You know what I mean? I came from a broken home and, and kind of, uh, a borderline impoverished situation. Where did you grow up? Pittsburgh. Are you talking about my life or your life? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, no. And, and, you know, and, and, and I, I, (laughs) I, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, no, I mean, I, I resonate with what, you know, we haven't had a long talk about that, but what I know of your life, you know, there's a lot of overlap. And, and I think that that openness really just gave me that opportunity to, to, to have, um, humility and to also have people recognize that in me. And they just shared, um, what was most helpful. And there was no kind of agenda where like I had a father that, you know, had this like, you know, agenda for me and expectations and that sort of thing. People just interacted with me and they just kind of shared and they just felt that, you know, I was a comfortable person. So, um, so, so really like I, I don't like, I'm not comfortable with the idea of expertise. I mean, I, I think that Hmm. life is intelligent. We are all amazingly intelligent and it's not so much that it's, there's nothing that I have and bring to the table other than just a humility and an openness uh, to it.
1: Kelly, uh, you know, tying to something you said about being coaching, I just heard is what makes a good coach. What makes a good coach is you stop trying to, you don't make any value judgment on what a coach is doing. You try to start to solve or think of what's problems the coach is trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And suddenly everyone becomes an open book. Because I, I look at your your work and, and I'm like, what problems is Tim trying to solve? What what are you trying to solve? And I start asking the why behind the cue, the why behind the methodology. What this coach has seen this set of problems and they've prescribed something. This physician has seen this set of problems, is prescribing something. And suddenly the openness is that like you can learn from everyone. Mm-hmm. You're listening, you're watching, and you're asking that that behind the scene question. You'll never hear me criticize or critique a coach publicly ever because that person is trying to solve a set of really problems that are, that are large. I want to know what it is that they're seeing and what they're trying to prescribe. And then we start to develop best practice out of that and that openness. I mean, I don't know how many conversations you, I still am blown away. We just had, you had this offhand throwing comment that your what your blood is filtered through your eyes every how many hours?
2: I don't know. I mean, I, I would say that you, 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 when well, you filter four to six liters of fluid through your body at rest and it goes up to 20 to 40 liters per minute. But all your
1: blood goes to your eye. Absolutely. And your eye, you have to have UV and one of the UV is a pathogen killer. And what if? I think you. I mean, you. I, you said that and I was like, "Holy crap! What if we're always wearing sunglasses all the time and we don't get UV?" And one of the reasons you have to get UV is for your vitamin D and <laughs> these other problems. But you know, what if it was really filtering, my, you know, your blood through your eyes? I mean, I just think absolutely, but there there are
2: treatments that people take blood out of the body and run it through UV filters
1: and put it back in. You said that. And I was like, I literally was like, I banned sunglasses in my house. I mean, like, because I was like, oh, you know, you started collecting these, these spider webs of information and trying to coalesce it into best practice. I mean, it really is like you had an idea where you're like, huh, I can experiment myself and I can write about that. But I can start to work with these masters. I can start to establish baselines. You know, one of the the, the kind of uh, themes of today has been this baseline with testing. Greg Cook is a good friend of mine. Yeah, me. yeah. And mm-hmm. we we have really worked hard now. And we're actually co-writing a book oh, yeah, sure. about establishing movement minimums. Cool. Baseline I like minimums. I like that. Because, and I love his example. You know, he's become a really dear friend, but. Where is he now these days, anyway? Oh, he's just burning the world down in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, Tennessee. Tennessee yeah. trying to, trying to do more stand-up paddleboarding, you know. <laughs> and, you know, the, he's a genius. But one of the things that he's saying is, hey, look. Also you
0: know, made a cameo. Yeah, in, uh, that's uh, right,
1: that's right. For our body. Yep. You know, if you can't, you know. As did, <laughs> as did Justin. Yep. True facts. Yeah. True facts. <laughs> you know, this, this notion, you know, people thought he and I were really diametrically opposed. And, yeah. and, and, and when he and I, we started talking, we were like, Oh my God, we have these big problems we have to solve. If we don't collaborate and share sources, we're fools. Yeah. And you know, he's like, Look, in do you remember in in middle school you bent over and your gym teachers Screen oh, you oh, for scoliosis. <laughs> oh, scoliosis, scoliosis. Oh, all right, scoliosis. all right. I, I, was, I was like, I'm not sure where you went in the middle school, <laughs> but <laughs> I was on the wrestling team and that didn't happen. Wrestling team. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, your, your PE teacher was not very sophisticated, but screen you for scoliosis. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the issue is why can't, why have we been so divorced from, you know, how about this? If you, man, you're listening. If you wake up and you don't have a boner. Right. There's a problem. There's a problem. Yes or no. Yeah. One or zero. Boner, no boner. You yeah, know? Right. And at what the Jungians would say, how was your dreams? Tell me what your dream. This is like how they greet each other. To. What did you dream of last night? How did you, like, what did you process? Yeah. Let's talk about it. And literally, we should be saying to each other, did you have a boner last night? Did, yeah. you, did you wake up this morning? I mean, like, right. that's so bright line, know thyself. Yeah. But if you ask that question, so I mean, like, that's that's one of those data points that's so easy to know. Binary. Do I have a boner, yes or no? Yeah. Yes. I can then backtrack and say, I was stressed. I didn't have sleep, cortisol, food. Choose any one of the simple roadblocks, and I can see immediately my function. I All bet right. if you correlate a boner to, you're like, how do you feel today? You know, pretty close correlation. <laughs> yeah. One to one. Yeah. One to one. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, not only does that, That's does that simple.
2: Yeah. Actually, does not only that. Simple I would kind encourage of measure, you.
0: I've, Actually, my sponsorship dollars go up you <laughs> <as> say boner? <laughs> yes. So please continue. Um, you know, I have no
2: sponsor. Does it not no. indicate, it indicates <laughs> deep sleep with good kind of growth hormone, FSH, LSH, LH release? Absolutely. Thing. With testosterone responsiveness. Um, no doubt. Um, another interesting thing that comes to mind is, is, that, you know, when you look at kind of the class of drugs like Viagra, Levitra, Cialis that help with erectile dysfunction for people, um, if you look at the medical literature, it says it's most effective in psychogenic causes of erectile dysfunction. And then when you look at kind of what the hell does that drug do? Um, it preserves phosphodiesterase inhibitors. And when you look at kind of other animal models where they say like, you know, the waterboarding equivalent for rats is to kind of let them swim around in a fucking bucket.
0: fucking do exhaustion totally, in, in a, a bucket, bucket. <laughs> into, into exhaustion, right? Absolutely. No rat boner. Yeah. No rat boner there.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <not. laughs> um. We call that rat flaccid. Uh, but
1: <laughs> I feel uh, bro. Uh, bro,
2: how
0: you feeling, rat flaccid? Rat flaccid.
2: <laughs> Swimming in a bucket. Oh. Uh, but, uh, you know, that really decreases their brain's phosphodiesterase. And, and so it, it's kind of really like, you know, you, you had mentioned this, I think, before we started recording, where, you know, you're you're really into kind of parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system tone. And, and it really gets back to that. I mean, I'm, I'm really telling, you know, to me, I'm more convinced that, you know, the mind directly influences the physiology or indirectly influences the behavior patterns. Um, but it's, it's really all about kind of understanding, you know, how your nervous system kind of interacts with your physiology and you've got I, d-
1: I to get getting on there. I, I, you said parasympathetic, sympathetic tone. Let's just like break that down for people. When you, are at rest, and you're in a good homeostasis, non-threatened environment. When you breathe in, for example, right. your heart rate accelerates. When you breathe out, it decelerates. Correct. Right. That is a good indicator. No, no. Right?
2: When you breathe in, it decelerates. When you exhale, it accelerates a little bit. Is that what you said?
1: No, I think I said the opposite, Does not it? Because yeah. It accelerates to I mean. breathe in? No, no. It, it actually doesn't. slows down. Oh, that that's right. Okay. It slows down Correct. Yeah. So yeah, that's 100% right. Cause you're trying to cheat the test. At the, at the grocery store, you hold your breath or slow, slow, okay, right. Yeah. So the problem is that people get into this state where there's no variability in their heart rate. Right. That's the heart rate variability in heart rate variability that people start to fire up their adrenals. They, they, in this fight or fight response, they're not sleeping. They've just played right. a big game. They just had a meeting. They're cinched out. We see people cannot go to sleep. Like, uh, one magazine was oh, yeah. like the Red Bull yes. magazine. The One of the best players for the All Blacks was bragging about after big games, he can't fall asleep. He has, he has to stay up playing video games all night. And I was like, red flag. Tired and wired, right? T- oh, is that what it is? Yes. If you have a child. Where you're not you're releasing cortisol in the morning. That's right. If you have a child, you know this, that sleep begets sleep. That a tired kid will not go to sleep and will right. not sleep well. And so if your kid has a crappy night's sleep, you're in for another crappy night's sleep. Hmm. And it really is like you Enough. sleep you get sleep. And you of mind course, not, sure. nah, nah. <laughs> it's big of you. And uh um, I'm generous. I think now. what's what's so interesting <laughs> for me is we started looking at this because I started becoming interested in it because so many of my professional athletes and my soldiers were coming back, were vampires, you know, literally not sleeping at night, especially, you know, I was working with just say the the military's elite, elite doing the scariest jobs. One of my friends deployed to Afghanistan recently, and his testosterone was two seventy.
2: Yeah, you
1: yeah. know, and this is a guy who played Division one football and was at like in the Rose Bowl. No androgens.
2: Zero. Right. Yeah. By Five. the way, if it's less than three hundred, and you're sixty, it's it's treatment level. Uh, testosterone.
1: Right. We want something like, was it 900? Is,
2: was the upper end? 800? Well, absolutely. No. I mean, I, th- I think 800 to a thousand.
0: That'd be is, pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. No. It's, like, <laughs> what I've seen Olympic. But then dollar again, dollar you know, I'm right. Fucking
1: two bottles of wine. So, so, what's uh, so, worth it? So, yeah. it. yeah. I'll tell you, how, boner, yes or no? It's like it's the Krispy Kreme. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> the, the issue though is that, you know, so I, I started looking at, well, what are the, how do I impact that? What are what are the ways mm. without having to measure it, knowing that I'm compromised because I'm under stress, because I have a newborn, because I don't sleep, because whatever? How can I? Because that's what I think. What you did is you removed for me. This is really when I I respected you in a way that <laughs> like I really had no respect for you up until the point. And <laughs> what I what I think was so great is you removed the, even the need from you. Like it was subjective so much. Like you you said, "Hey, go get a blood test," but you also said, "You know, this is black and white. Do you feel better?" What's going on? And you, you just sort of removed, like, why don't you even do, you know, you're compromised. You know, your diet is shitty. You know, you're not exercising. Take away the roadblocks because we know you're already compromised. And, yeah. and I, this has been a real shift for my own brain. You know, I, I started, uh, last year I was, you know, I was in a, uh, a blue angel jet in a shitty position. I sat, uh, I mean, I sat in a helicopter. I jumped out of an airplane, strapped to someone at, you know, 25,000 feet. I, I mean, I just did like, I did all these things where I was compromised. I wore body armor for 10 hours. Like, I was like, there's no way not to be compromised. So if I know I'm compromised, what then? And I think what was so great about you sort of, and it is so great about your thinking is like, you basically start the assumption that you're compromised. Why don't you do these steps and start to uncompromise yourself? Because you know you're compromised, and at the very least, it may do nothing. At the very most, it may change your life. Yeah, you know, which is sort of this best practice. Nutrition. Simple self-diagnosis, right? right? Right.
0: And it could be just a few moves. I mean, that's what I, I appreciate about you know your teaching, whether at SF CrossFit or through the the wonder of the internet's is it doesn't have to be complicated. No, it can be as complicated as you want to make it. But it doesn't have to be complicated. So actually, I'd be interested to to, to ask you, like, if if people are going to do a self evaluation. This is really nice. Very happy with. So for those uh, who are curious about the uh, the various clinking and so on going on, we have the mascot 2008 from Napa Valley. This is uh, from Will Harlan H A R L. (laughs) Try that again. H A R L A N. This is one of those uh, edit sober. No, what is it? Right, drunk, edits over. Does not apply to podcasts, by the way. Uh, the mascot, two thousand eight, really, really nice. Uh, and we're having a two thousand ten Malbec Route Forty from Mendoza. I'm a sucker for that because I lived in Argentina for so long. But uh, in terms of movement evaluation, uh, minimal movement. What uh, what should people look at? I mean, the, 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 basics, like the top three or four, some office dweller who spends God knows how long, well, you know, this, seven to 12 hours a day, this seat is in front really of a laptop,
1: hundred percent, the, the, the healthcare crisis of the future. More and more research is saying that when you sit, have a sedentary lifestyle, sit more than eight hours a day, that's a sedentary lifestyle. That's the equivalent of like killing yourself slowly. It's smoking and jogging. It's the physiology is known to us that when you sit down, your leg musculature turns off. Yeah, your fat, your blood glucose rises. You can see a spike just because, right? If people at home, have you ever sat on an airplane and had cankles? Have you ever had that? You got off an airplane and your ankles are swollen. Yeah. Well, that's not the altitude. That's because you stopped contracting any musculature in your legs when you sat. And it's the musculature contraction that drives all the lymphatic drainage of your whole system. The whole system is wired for movement. Remember that brain analogy? And if you stop moving, then what ends up happening is you get stasis and congestion, which is a big problem. And for me, for the athletes, I'm like, oh, now your ankles are congested. And now your Achilles is junky. And now your feet don't. What do you think of compression pants for flying? No-brainer. Okay. Wear compression socks. Wear a pair of compression pants. The compression pants get hot they really gets It's a out. problem. So very least worse of compression socks.
0: I have a buddy who wears a you know, former kind of professional rugby guy. He's just like, fuck it. He wears like shorty shorts with fucking compression pants underneath when
1: he flies. I love How it. How much does he weigh? He's a big dude. Yeah, He's that's like what you're I'm saying. Saying. You can do whatever the fuck He's you like, want. He's like, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Say something. I did. He's, like say the, something. The, He's I do. the Hulk. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that there is a <laughs> best practice that you know you're going to be compromised. You know, I look at sitting as this, you know. You know, it's interesting. I, I've worked with uh, Esther Gokhale. You know, we've talked. Who is that? I apologize. She, uh, she's the Gokhale oops, Method. She's... She talks about sitting. Oh, she wait talks...
0: a second. Of course. Eight Esther. steps to painless back. That's right.
1: That's right. And she really is saying, look, we've lost this. I mean, look at the Victorians. They sat upright. You know, the Macintosh chair is at a 90-degree angle. And then in the 20s, we started slouching, it became fashionable. Furniture design reflected that. Hmm. We sort of lost this very uprightness, this yep. integrated piece. We're doing a lot more sitting and God forbid you're bending over. You know, I just saw a study that adults are spending two and a half hours a day on their smartphones Mm -hmm. in a forward flex rounded upper back position, shoulders internally rotated, adopting that position for two and a half hours a day. And then when your shoulders are pinched and you have neck pain, I'm like, go fuck yourself. Well, exactly. That's why I need to
0: go get a massage a week. Just working on like my pec minor and fucking inter Right. That's right. In, in that, in that. Because my is, inverse spinatus wants to punch me in the face. That's right. Yeah. In, yeah. And that is
2: the universal posture of somebody who's just lost. You cannot, I mean, look at, look at Wimbledon. Look at every winner. The winner cannot help but declare himself upwards and backwards. Of course. And the loser cannot help but declare himself forward and down in an involution. And, in, and, in, and for people to not understand that the body and the brain is one integrated unit in the way that you treat your mobility in your body and your posture is directly influencing your physiology.
0: Oh yeah. It's insane. No, to, it's to just to just to yes. like lay down one yes. point. Is this like Cartesian duality of mind and body is total horseshit. It's just like, oh. look, your brain is an organ If you want to improve, people ask me all the time, like what smart drugs should I take? How can I prove my cognitive performance? I'm like, fix your fucking diet.
1: <laughs> it's, and I'm like it's in one and the same I'm like in your body
0: yeah yeah it's what are you doing like, it's the same system so it's like if you want to improve your thinking you want to improve your mental performance improve your physical performance it and, is one and the same and,
1: and it's pretty cheap and it's free sleeping yeah. we've just started playing with this uh, all the new mattresses so A I think that modern man needs to sleep on a soft mattress and this is going to piss people so tell me tell me yeah, so, so I am that's I'm sleeping good, on a shitty say. mattress on the floor right now
0: because I just moved into my place uh, <laughs> let me retract all my statements. It's yeah, not as only totally like shooting mattress. mattress. I need. To I, I'm sleeping in the. Yeah, I have also been taking a very hot bath in sort of a Japanese yeah. style of furo every night and magnesium. So I've been sleeping like a prince. But uh I have to buy a new mattress. So tell me, so, should, which,
1: what should I do? Well, let's back mm. and talk about sleep. Mm. Sleep hygiene. One <laughs> is the room pitch dark. You can. They've done studies where they they. You can shine a laser on the back of someone's knee, and they they pick people pick it up. as light. Like you cannot have your phone in your room. You cannot have a TV in your room. It needs to be black, black as night. In fact, a good study just came out that showed that any light in your room can be the cause of so many problems around sleep, sleep apnea, some of this nighttime arousal problems. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, nighttime arousal? Like, I, mean, I mean, like you make midnight bonus. It's like what is that? Too bad. bright in the room. Yeah, you I need it. Need to be dark. It needs to be quiet. So what? How, how you know how cheap a, a night mask is? Like you're sleeping in a strange hotel as, a, as an executive. You know department. I hate it. I
0: can't find a good sleep mask. If you have a recommendation, tell me. But no. I have like let, shitty let fucking airplane. The, the, the,
1: sh- the, there's airplane a, there's one mask. that has a, a small one that's a cup that uh, doesn't get in your – I would try it all. You mean like, like sun suntan bed type of thing? Not so tight, but yeah. some. That there are a couple that are just a little bit smaller in a cup. Not a very obtrusive. Don't really have it on. Earplugs. Huh. It needs to be silent in there. Yeah, I and, have like 3M and enjoy this. The there's a lot of AirPods. lot of good research places saying that you should eat your carbohydrates at night because that helps boost the serotonin. Hmm. You know, yeah. so if you're gonna eat, you eat at night. You eat That's what I've been
0: doing honestly because I've I've been having these kind of businessy whatever the fuck, and it's like you'll have something like Indian. And you're like, all right, honestly, like I'm not gonna be winning any bodybuilding competitions. So it's like. I'm going to have some brown rice oh, this because Give be me disgusting.
1: some naan. I'm, yeah. Don't even go. Just say naan. You know yeah, you yeah. non.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, but at night, as long as I'm basically intermittently fasting
1: on. Uh, up until <laughs> lunch, it's fine. Like well, that's right. So, body so fat cup, when, wise, when can you control – so, we say, you know, you need a big breakfast. Well, it turns out you don't need a big breakfast. Maybe – I like your model of protein – 30 grams of protein within yeah. 30 minutes. Like that's changed your family's dynamic a lot. Yeah. You need some protein in there because you've been fasting. Maybe some fat, or just fat. Whatever you're doing. Bulletproof coffee. If you want to put butter in your coffee, it's yeah. up to you. Get diarrhea from the coconut oil or whatever. That's <laughs> Dude, I get MCTs. Tell me about
0: MCTs and your GI. Tell me. It's a fucking... It, you don't want to do that right before you go to the airport.
1: Dude. Am I right? So what we're basically saying is if you add a bunch of coconut oil MCTs to your coffee in the morning, <laughs> you're like a goose. Uh-huh. <laughs> Meaning you're going you're gonna to shit a lot, of guys. Disaster yeah. pants. Yeah. <laughs> so... But the sleep piece then is, you know, maybe some carbohydrate for dinner because you should probably, you know, Mark Sisson's like, hey, just keep it around 100 grams. Yeah. You know, and good luck eating 100 Dude, that grams guy is a hundred grams of specimen. I give him credit. Like I, I've met up with him. Like that guy yeah. is—he walks the talk. But he also doesn't isn't freaked out. Like he likes coffee and his little sugar in his coffee. Yeah. But because the rest of his life is organized around some exercise and sleeping enough, it doesn't throw the whole thing out of balance. Yeah. You can buffer it you know yeah. we're we're humans of adaptation like and we confuse that adaptation ability for survivability right for thriveability and i i, I think because humans are always i i believe always working towards like thriving otherwise we would have died off a long time ago i mean yeah. if you just care and feed the plant a little bit you know give the animal a little bit extra sunlight a little bit of food it it blossoms again i mean that's really what we're doing if you if you if you upregulate and one of the cheapest, you're spending so much of your time to sleep. It should be dark. It should be a little bit cold. What I would say okay. is when What after- do you consider cold? You set your temperature at 60s. Okay. Yeah. I think you- I'm at 64. I'm happy. Perfect. Perfect. I'm That's fine. It's just not hot. But what I would say is going to bed hot fucks up your serotonin production
0: unless you you go into a japanese bath or you take a hot bath so that you cool off quickly so that your blood is raised to the surface of your skin and then you have a rapid cooling period and then you sleep really well
1: so what's the rapid cool, what are you doing
0: uh i am getting out of a hot bath toweling off and then i'll continue to sweat and i will take a hot shower and after that You're fucking cold as shit because you've, you've gone from extremely hot Ah, to extremely cold.
1: Okay. So this, this is the point is that that cooling has to happen.
0: Yeah.
1: How do you sleep in a hot environment? Horribly. You sleep horribly. That's the point. So the hot bath relaxes you. It's one of the ways we figured out how to hack that, that nervous system. I can tap into that parasympathetic response. People can go from zero to 60 and they pride, they pride themselves on it. Bam! I wake up. I have coffee. Bam! Cup of fear, right? Yeah. The cup of fear. Good to go. Hit to go. Like I can up. But they cannot come down. Yeah. yeah. And we don't teach that. Yeah. So you know, this is where I've said, "Hey, look, develop a, a soft tissue practice before you go to bed at night." Turns out, like what, ten or fifteen minutes of rolling around on a ball or rolling around on a on a foam roller kicks on a huge parasympathetic response. That's why I don't. I'm saying, "Hey, stop rolling before you exercise. Stop it." Roll after your exercise to bring mm. you down out of that sympathetic yeah. state. Yeah. If you have something that's gristly, you're not rolling. You're trying to break up gristle so you can move correctly, right? But tapping into that, work on your diaphragm. Diaphragmatic breathing, weird how it matters so much for stress w- regulation. W- w- what
0: would be? Uh, how would someone uh, exercise that or practice that?
1: Get a ball before you go to bed. Put it on your body. Roll around on the floor for 10 minutes and see what happens. Have you ever had a massage? Yes. How do you feel after the massage? Like you want to fight someone? <laughs> no. <laughs> your voice is so low. So this is this is really yeah. the, the piece is how do I, you know, affect my physiology through practice, right? right? Right. And um, you know, working on So one of the problems with sitting is that it compresses your diaphragm in that crappy position. Yep. And now you have bad diaphragm function, which is one of the biggest assets to your parasympathetic response turning off, right? Do you know the, the incidence of bladder dysfunction relative to pelvic floor dysfunction in America it's a big problem. It's because we sit so much. So if we look at the pelvic floor look at the diaphragm, both diaphragms in the same chamber which are compromised from sitting. Yeah. Right now we have bladder continence which is a billion dollar industry with diapers. Mm-hmm. For adults, for women, I love divers. Okay, hell yeah, <laughs> sumo. I'm looking around. I see <laughs> this, but uh, this is this is a lifestyle hack, you know. And I think that's what's what's cheap. It's low. It's low budget. Sleep better, you know. Why aren't you hacking your sleep quality? Yeah, you know, without drugs.
2: Sleep's huge. I mean, but, I by do, the way, but back with sleep train. Sell me on that pillow top.
1: Oh well. <laughs> So, oh yeah, mattress and pillow. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus. You got Give me all this. Off. Give me the stuff. You did all this. Oh.
0: You did all this. Uh, David. And I'm out. Yeah, you did all this. Mis- oh, we're out of time. You did all this
1: misdirection. <laughs> all right. So. so, what I think is that most of the athletes I'm seeing, most of the people I'm seeing are extension sensitive. We sit yeah. and we're trying to exercise and that puts us in the means of your pelvis if it was like a funnel you're tipping your funnel forward all the time. And that's putting a lot of stress on the joints. It's, imagine if I took your elbow and, and grabbed it and extended it, hyperextended it a whole bunch. Yeah. It would get irritated. After all, what's happened to your back? Yeah. So what happens is for a lot of time, we were seeing men particularly who had a lot of disc pathology, mm-hmm. right? They were lifting and exercising or working in these, rounded back and they were having disc problems. And we we found that if we slept them in extension, we put them on a hard bed and they slept. But sleeping in a hard bed by necessity drops you into extension. People did better with flexion-related injuries around their discs. But I think what's happening is we've seen a shift and people now because they're sitting so much. Their psoas is tight. Iliacus is tight. QL is tight. The fascia has gotten tight. Quadratus lemurum. Boom. And what's happening then which we're also extension sensitive in the exercise we're doing. And what's happening then is we're extension sensitive. And what we need to do is sleep in a almost like a hammock. And if I can – you should wake up Hmm. in the morning feeling – Awesome. You shouldn't have to get into the shower and be crippled to loosen up the lower back. And I think people listening will be like, holy crap, that's me. Yeah. And you I I I tell my athletes I want you to sleep on the softest surface you can get your hands on. And that and that doesn't mean memory foam, because the memory foam locks you into Extension. Yeah. It means you need to be, spend some time. Here's a quick test that I've developed. Ready? It's very scientific. I'm ready. Lay on a bed at a, at a, at a sleep train, wherever you're going. If you have to, cr- on your back, if you cross your feet, your bed's too hard. Dude, I do that every night. Of course. Cause what you're doing is you're getting out of extension or you do the dreaded figure four. You tuck one foot underneath the other foot, like the Heil Hitler of your legs. Well, I'll, yeah. You know
0: what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'll usually do like the, uh, sole of the put foot to the inside of the opposite oh, knee oh very
1: very tree pose of you I yeah like very tree very very advanced and sensitive that's interesting yeah I need a softer bed then that's what that would mean what says is it means because some people are like no put a pillow underneath your knee I'm like so you need a prop <laughs> to put you into flexion in your bed can you see how fucked that is why don't you get a softer bed <laughs> but what check this out so wait softer bed softer bed what should people look for like how do you find a softer bed there any matter. like whatever brands lay makes, on your bed anything? lay on the bed for as long as it takes for. if you have to cross your legs it's too you, okay. you may be right, you should have to sleep on the floor and not get up and be crippled Like wow. this is the issue but we're not those people anymore yep. we're not mm. so before bed
0: foam roller lacrosse ball 10 minutes hip flexor
1: no, what are, what, no what, are, what are like the top well, three? I'm not even talking about trying to address your movement dysfunction or the the mechanical problem. I'm talking about trying to kick on your parasympathetic nervous system by doing soft tissue work. Okay, yeah, yeah, like a little massage before you went to bed. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. So what would you hit? The, so check this out. We've talked. What's about. the like? The it doesn't the, matter. They, put, put the ball wherever it hurts. Okay. You uh-huh.
0: know, I mean, really, it's it's that. What way. are the most likely places to hurt? Oh. Piriformis,
1: glutes. No, I, I think it's like more simplexer. Forehead. You can tell if a tissue is normal. <laughs> well, you, you should see we do some the softballs into the temporalis and the masseter Ow. and people freak out. That's and I'm like, oh weird how that hurts. You've yeah. never worked on that tissue ever in your whole life. That's where I run a mouth card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. So I used to grind my fucking face to Weird. So yeah. this posture of sitting forward round your back, right? Anyone who's been on a computer knows that position. My neck is killing me. What happens is your short neck flexors pull your jaw out of position, pulls it back. And it's one of the mechanisms for all the tightness you are seeing in the jaw. And clenching your teeth, guess what? Causes a cortisol response. Totally. And cue being stressed out or not. Resi- I mean, like, it literally is connected one-to-one one that way. Yeah. So, you know, you're like, oh, wear a mouth guard. That'll prevent you from grinding your own teeth down. But you're still fucking clenching your teeth at night. Right. Why do you need a mouth guard? Start asking the question, Why? Well, it turns out I'm stressed and I sit in a shitty position and I don't do anything to manage that. Yeah. Yeah. So well we've just got it. We just got a new bed because we took our other bed up to the, the mountains. But all the new beds you can get. A moldable frame. It looks like a craftmatic adjustable bed. And I I hate to say it, but there was a company that. Get your ready for 40. (laughs) I'm ready. Welcome to the show. Cheers. I'm ready. I don't have a bower and I sleep in a craftmatic adjustable bed. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Pass me the wine. I'll just black out, but you can raise up the feet a little bit and put yourself in the soft mattress and in a, in a little bit slightly better position mm. and sleep. And when I'm happening, you'll, you, one of the things that people wakes people up is their are low back and they turn on their side. What does the
0: first hour of your day look like? Do you have a ritual? Do you have a routine?
1: I sleep till seven o'clock every morning. I have two daughters. Yeah. We have put it on them to wake us up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we put it on them and, uh, and then just get my kids out for school. Okay. That's it. Oh, by hold the way, on. There's more to that. We hot tub in the morning. All the girls.
0: What time? Six, four, five, seven. Okay, so as soon as wake
1: you wake up, up hot tub, boom, hot tub. And I, if you have access to hot, and and everyone knows hot shower, you know, well, what's the old the mantra like? Shit shower and shave. <laughs> you know, like you're not I haven't heard that. If yet. you need to reset your whole system, shave your face, have a good one. Wait,
0: wait, wait. <laughs> but it was shit shower and shave. Shit shower and shave. Like right. you can
1: change your whole life in a shit shower and shave. Dude. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what about you, man? Justin, what is your uh, morning routine? Do you
1: have one? Also, I just got it back on. Vitamix. We we, gr- we grind greens into a yeah. tasty, tape. You cannot eat enough vegetables as a human being. Dude, Vitamix is amazing. And and really like... Have, have you
0: tried... So the two things I've tried, I, I want to know what your cocktail is. Uh, athletic greens. I like a lot. Uh, I mix that with glutamine usually in the mornings. So I'm lazy and I'm like, let me call it. Instead of laziness, I'll call it intermittent fasting. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but uh, also mixing matcha with oh really ice and water, just cold matcha. Uh, you like four barrel, believe? Last time we had. Like- last time you tortured my hips, and we were at your house. We had four barrel, which was very nice. Uh, what are you, what's what's your routine? Do you have more in your routine, uh, Justin? Um, that
2: not, not so rigid as much as like, you know, I, I also have a, uh, soon to be seven year old, five year old, and two year old. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so it really just, it's full house. It is. I mean, and it's, it's mostly waking to, you know, one or three of the children. Uh, (laughs) and typically, you know, I actually typically start with about 20 minutes of like play with them. Uh -uh. Uh, and then, you know, then I, you know, basically will just, Get ready and roll into the office. So I don't have like a morning like movement ritual that's
0: formalized, but it's just more. I don't really think, you,
1: I don't think you should lift heavy weights in the morning. It's hard. You
0: just takes way too long to be prepped um, for that way too lazy. I feel like my pain threshold is so much higher based on all the amazing, uh, appropriated research from Russians. Like I feel like my pain threshold is so much later in the, uh, oh. late between two and four oh. o'clock. Yeah, well, it's, I, the way I've looked at it is sort of, uh, God, I have to look back. I wrote about this, which is why I, I, I absolved myself from remembering it. But, um something like, uh, eight to 10 hours after waking. Okay. So for me, because I wake late, I tend to find sort of the, like six to 10 p.m. is when I can lift the most. Hmm. Uh, that makes sense. Which isn't much. I'm like benching like 85 pounds. Pretty sweet.
1: <laughs> i much your bench bro yeah never else goes back to so that. so what's all right so nope.
0: so so kelly functional movement wise if there were one movement where you're like you know what i want to see if you can function as a human being
1: put your feet together yeah squat to the ground that's it feet together squat you know why because now should, anything overhead hands in front oh, where no. you're just talking about that you 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 can live live functionally Hands by your face, right? You might not be able to, you might be able to swim, might not be able to swim. We're talking about just one movement, squat. Put a fist between your feet, squat to the ground. Feet straight,
0: Mm -hmm. right?
1: It's Mm -hmm. a a crucial point. We're looking at ankle flexibility. We're looking at hip flexibility. We're looking at excursions. So it's like, pretend like you're a smoker in Vietnam. Go. Exactly. Sit down, have, have a smoke, and literally, can you? For me, it's the most primal piece because it it speaks to how far away from you are from baseline. Can I take a poo in the woods? Yeah. Can I have dinner in Thailand? Can I? Can can I? Can you rest on your own frame? Right. Oh, and how about how can I relate to people around a campfire? I mean, it's like so primal, and it just says a lot about our function. But if you, if people are honest, they may go weeks and months without actually squatting all the way down. Oh, for sure. They just don't, they don't use it. So your body's like, don't need it. It's out of here. You know, that's yeah, amazing. Right. That that single metric alone would change. Right. You know, you should be able to sit all the way down, butt to ankle, and keep your back flat. Yeah. Someone yeah. should be able to hand you a huge load, your back flat, stand up. No big deal. I mean, and,
2: and not to push you this way, but like one thing that I find is a fascinating topic that I would love to hear kind of some of your thoughts on is is really kind of this relationship to pain. Uh, and because I guarantee you myself included that if I tried to do that, you know, fist with, you know, squat down to my, to, to the back of my as ankles, yeah, ask the hills, yeah. It, it, yeah, as the hills
1: um, I'm going to experience a lot of, you know, pain and discomfort. Well, the pain piece is interesting. You know, resting state of the human being is pain free. shouldn't have pain. A good article in New York times just came out uh, like a week ago, basically said that, uh, adults over 55 stop reporting pain to their 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 physicians because it's like oh yeah I'm always in pain, and pain is one of those biomechanical markers that we know for pathology. Unrelenting pain at night is one of the things that I'm like screaming pathology, like cancer or something insidious, right? Really gnarly. But for if you're moving poorly, your body's telling you something's wrong with your mechanics. If you're in pain, and you should be pain free. If you push on a tissue, if you lay on a ball, grab a, grab a kid's ball, grab a baseball, put it somewhere. It should not hurt to compression. Anywhere in your body, you should be able to put that ball and put a lot of, a lot, lot of compression on it. If your tissues are stiff, that's not normal. It feels like beef jerky. It should be like layers of warm silk sliding over steel springs. That's our, our analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how your body should work, but it's not like right now we're sitting on our butts and compressing all these beautiful tissues, right? Just not, not normal. But if you push on something and it hurts, the tissue is stiff and telling you it's stiff because you've created a micro stretch underneath that, that compression. So one of the ways that we know that you're not normal is that it's, it hurts the compression. So you should be pain free mm-hmm. and, and you can, if you move and something hurts, then that gives you information. It's testing one or zero, but you're getting immediate feedback that something's wrong. And the problem is we have zero baseline from which to work. A, understanding what is just normal baseline movement of being a human, and B, not optimal, just baseline. Like, I could do this, and you should be able to do it cold. Mm-hmm. You don't need to warm up and prep. Do kindergartners stretch before they sprint for the monkey bars. <laughs> Hang on so a second, doing my dynamic leg swings. Like That's <laughs> bullshit. You know, that was, that, that was the notion of supple leopard. Like, a leopard attacks and defends at full physical capacity instantaneously. It's full leopard. Sleeps 18 hours a day, and then it goes. But if human beings... You should have that full physical capacity also, but we're not using it, so we lose it, right? We just, we don't know how compromised we are. You know, you should be pain-free and and people should have a, a template for even taking a crack at their knee pain. If you have knee pain, you're like, what'd you do about it? And they're like, I went and saw my doctor. I'm like, so you saw that your windshield wiper fluid was low. And so you went and saw your mechanic. What did the mechanic say? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That, you know, why didn't you have windshield wiper fluid? And the problem is we have just disempowered people for generations. We have no idea of how to basically do the, the simple maintenance. Right. No, And what, what would you say between kind of like
2: what I would call chronic stable pain versus like an acute pain. Because I, I think it's a big thing that comes up in my practice where when somebody tells me that they have a joint that's in pain um, or a part of their body that's in pain, I say, you know, what happened? And if they don't have a story to me, that's like, you know, I was, you know, kite boarding and it kind of ripped my shoulder and now I'm in pain. You know, I consider that kind of more of a chronic stable injury, correct?
1: No, I think that's wrong. I think that, the, let me give you the examples that uh, I sat in a surgery with a friend, um, John Wellborn, um, played in the NFL for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, his knee looked like a garbage dump inside, like a good garbage dump, yeah. like no ACL, moon rocks floating in the fluid, osteo- <laughs> like stalagmites, stalactites, like literally like bloody cortical bone showing yeah, and bleeding into the joint space, like the worst knee you can imagine, right? Just so gross, no knee pain. And what I think people forget is how robust engineering is. You know, your iPad—you fracture and shatter the glass in the iPad. The iPad still works. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what your body is. It doesn't work. It's it's a pain in the butt to negotiate that. You know, but there's so much. You know, if a horse gets a cold, you put the horse down. Right. That's I mean, it's so touch and go. You know, you lose a lung, you still climb Everest. True fact. Right. That's actually been done. You know, you I mean, like this true fact thing. True fact. true fact. I like it. It's my, like, cause it's not a fact. It's a true fact. Yeah. Big difference. And I think what we're seeing is, I think people have blown through their genetic inheritance. This tolerance for eating terribly for generations, for decades, and then all of a sudden being diabetic or, or moving a certain way because your body is, you're set up to, to be able to reproduce quick and your body's got your back over and over and over and over again. And all of a sudden you've worn a hole in your kneecap but you're 27 and a runner and your physician's like, Hey, you should maybe stop running. And you're like, you can't control me. You're the worst doctor ever. And the doctor is saying something so reasonable. She's saying, you know, you've worn a hole in a bone that's designed to be 110 years old. Something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think pain is the same way. Sometimes we have people who have, you know, bad arthritis, but I clean up their movement pattern. And a lot of times, what people don't realize is remember that brain piece is that movement and pain are the same pathways in the brain. And I could be wrong, but I think it's the DCML pathway, plus mm-hmm. me, dorsal columnar medial lumniscus, I went to grad school. I'll take it. I can't I, can't, I could be wrong. It. Got me. But <laughs> uh, the problem is that uh, one someone, acronym, some, too much, much in. two of us. <laughs> someone will, uh, the issue is that you know, when you injure yourself, you shake it out, right? Because the movement blocks the pain. And you can see this on YouTube. People people get hurt and they run away. (laughs) Ow, (laughs) ow, and then run, right? Because the running blocks the pain signal, right? Well, it's like when I fucked up
0: my uh, thoracic spine, this doctor, I mean, there were a bunch of issues with him, but he worked with a bunch of hockey teams anyway. He started tapping my trap, and he's like, Hey, can you feel your pain? And I was like... No, that's really interesting. And he's like, yeah, exactly. He's like, all right, so let me then proceed to prescribe you a bunch of fucking unnecessary temporary drugs. But uh, it's amazing how much
1: that movement or even uh, palpitation masks pain. That's right. And so what we know about with chronic pain, people, I'm like, well, you have pain during the day? You know what happened? I laid down in bed mm. and at one in the morning woke up and my shoulder was throbbing I'm like, well, what happened in bed? What happened was that you stopped moving, and your brain got the full impact of your pain sensation. Mm. Gotcha. Right. So one of the one of the aspects of this is, you know, if we movement and pain get mapped. So if something's going on painfully for over two months, over a month, it's a chronic pain state, chronic pain condition, and your brain starts to map the pain pathway with the movement motor pathway, and those become conjoined. So Yonder started talking about this. And one of the ways that we're able to help people get out of chronic pain is to give them a new motor program. I.e., you don't squat with your knees in. Okay. You, you know, you you move differently, and your brain recognizes. It's so sophisticated. You know, if you continue the iPad analogy, if you if you you know you you need to know how the iPad swipes on and swipes off. Right. You don't need to know how the touch screen interfaces with the software. That's already happening underneath. Right. You need to know how to mo- turn things on and off. So if we can give people a brand new motor pathway, I, you squat a little more efficiently. Maybe I get you off that hot piece of bone, and maybe I also give you a, put the needle down in a brand new motor pathway that is pain free. And because that, that 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 boded well for us. I mean, it's one of those survival instincts that if you're moving poorly, then your brain starts to remember, oh, you got injured this. Even though the the no- the noxious stimuli is gone, every time you move. You still get the pain sensation, right? This is the chronic pain conundrum. And so, what we do is we burn out people's nerve roots, right? We we do radiofrequency ablation. We put mm-hmm. them on. What what, you, what is radiofrequency ablation? They basically go in and sounds intense. And they 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 fry out with radio frequencies, like radio waves. They they burn the 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 nerves of <sighs> people's backs. Okay. And and then they're on. It's so like let's turn these off. Let's turn them off. Let's just turn. Let's pull the cords out. Because it's obvious, we don't know how to help you. Remember, right. your physician, and remember, I'm, I'm at, I'm at drinking wine with a physician. Your physician is on your side. And this is what people have forgotten. The physician is working to the best of their understanding. How However, they also
0: have a defensive medical practice, oftentimes due to the litigious nature of United States legal system, I would imagine. Right. I mean, maybe you can comment it, on this. Well, it's, just, it's just like how much are, Physicians hamstrung from doing what they know is best because they fear some type of
1: blowback. How, how, you can answer that, but how how is a physician supposed to treat you in ten minutes or fifteen minutes? Well, right, and you you have carried your bullshit into the physician's office, right. right? I don't sleep. I move like shit. I don't exercise. I'm stressed out. My knee hurts
2: right? Yeah. No, and, and and I would say there there's a trained cynicism that happens over time where you don't. You don't believe that people are going to be willing and open and empowered to change. Uh And so you just end up, like, managing who they are. You know what I mean? And so, like, one of my big questions to you is basically, like, um, is helping people to understand that there's, like, a, a pain of injury and there's a pain of transition. You know what I mean? So when, like... One of your coaches, like, you know, Diane Fu, who I work with, you know, when she teaches me new moves or, or or proper biomechanics, you know, one or two or three days later, I'm like, holy shit. You know, some of these muscles that I've never used properly oh, yeah. before are so like really Diane talking Fum, to me. So,
0: so I'll, let, I'll let Justin give the outsiders insight. Uh, well, I mean,
2: Di- Diane Fu is a, is an Olympic lifting you know, subject material expert. And so, so she teaches me how snatch, to move, clean, jerk,
1: and exercise. Okay. Diane's a coach at our gym. Yes. And is the best Olympic lifting, best Olympic lifting thinking in the country right now, mm-hmm. in the world
0: right now. She's very smart.
1: and But only also because she can coach kids up to elderly and she knows how to scale up and down and yet she's, you know, working the limits. So what's up with CrossFitters and tattoos? I have to ask uh, <laughs> a, so you've seen that yet. I'm more I'm just a tattoo on a thruster okay
0: bro thruster I like that yeah, I'm going to put thruster. that on my fucking LinkedIn, new, new, my LinkedIn robot our new sharing. phrase now. our new phrase is not how
1: much you bench it's do you think you can do a double body with thruster yes. oh, like oh yeah, like yeah. yeah you just bring it up is it that um, you're going to be sore that's right. okay right you know, you know I, people have so disassociated from their bodies that they can't make a correlation between I ate something and I feel like shit. Yeah. With I moved and I'm sore and that's okay versus I'm I'm hurting. You know yeah. they just don't have it's all clumped into one thing. Yeah.
2: No, you know my, my my own personal story was like you know. Strangely enough, like, r- roped into a flag football league by Bob Weir, uh, guitarist of the Grateful Dead, as in- insane as, as that it, sounds. As, it, as that
1: happens. <laughs> as it happens. Uh, you know,
2: I sprained my left knee, you know what I mean? And
1: from that, it just
2: created a series of, like, musculoskeletal. Let, let me ask you Can a serious
1: you question. Yes. Why did you think you were prepared? What, had you prepared to play five football?
2: No, no, I was, it was, it was, I'm was, a
1: doctor. Yes. <laughs>
2: absolutely. I mean, no, absolutely. And, 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 you know, that, that left knee injury, let, you know, reduced my range of motion, which converted over to my right knee, lost its range of motion without pain, you know, and, and created this entire like pain cycle where I became like the tin man, you know, and, and I was like basically trying to rehab myself and doing some things, but I basically, you know. Came to Jesus and said, look, I'm going to go down to Kelly's gym and I'm going to like get some help, you know, and, and basically, you know, when I started working with Diane, you know, she just basically started teaching me proper biomechanics of fundamental movements, which included these Olympic and powerlifting moves, we, right? We,
1: we, yeah, that's right. And what people don't understand is that if you drill down on the technique of any sport, it's the best expression of physiology. Coaches have hacked this from the other side. They know how to get the best out of their athletes, bait for longevity, for performance, based on what's the best expression of human beings. Yes. You know, and, 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 and I think that's the global. Of course, there's some shortcuts, you know, NC2A is a great example of, you know, spending, throwing kids on the bonfire because there's another kid coming in, right? I mean, that's, that's exactly what we're seeing in the, Pretty world. amazing business model. <laughs> it's amazing. We'll but pay you nothing no, or, I mean, or the army, are,
2: right? No, and you, you can extend that to professional sports oh, too. 100%. You know what? You know, we're going to, we're going to put these professional athletes and we're going to pump them up with all these catabolic agents like prednisone and anti-inflammatories oh, dude, and the let the them fucking, go out
0: there and, and ruin their bodies. That's the crazy and crazy thing, and compete. you know, not, not to like get into really controversial territory, but, um, I'm just astonished by how vilified anabolics are. And then you have people taking cortisone injections every single
1: match they play oh, and, no, they don't, in the they French don't, Open. They don't get cortisone injections in the NFL anymore because No, no, no. People have tennis, the, tennis. I know, but people demified, like demonified the needle. So now it's all... It. And I'm like, oh, great. So oh, that's less, better. Less yeah. effective. Thank have you. Thank you, liver. No, 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 yeah, no, yeah. no.
2: I mean, if any athlete is out there, like I've been waiting all along for like players associations to kind of actually stand up for that same thing. It's like nobody bats an eye about putting a compromised athlete with some type of analgesic or catabolic agent to break down their tissue to enable them to perform when nobody's allowing them the, the kind of technology and enhancement of science to kind of give them some anabolic support. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that you, you don't uncheck that system and you let yeah. people just kind of take anabolics you know unchecked and push the limits um yeah. I, I you know I, I agree there has to be some limits and there has to be something to kind of monitor that um but at the but at the same time like when you hear somebody like Rodney Harrison from the Patriots say like look i'm a 36 year old athlete and i have 22 year olds that are coming to try to take my job and yeah. if i'm enhancing kind of recovery and rejuvenation from this brutal sport you guys are going to come down on me and judge me about that. I, 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 I have I talked to coaches. I think it's bullshit. A, a
1: yeah. High-level coaches, coaches I in the NFL that have athletes show up the next day after a game primarily so they can move, so they can metat- metabolize the Toradol. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Dude, we don't Tortle-like. want to go out and drink after this event because you don't realize what's in your system. Yes. And, there's a, and That's right. We've talked about Which is this. a <laughs> hard anti, big anti-inflammatory. Yes. And I don't think what people realize is there's even a connection between the total the anti-inflammatories that they're giving and the severity of the brain contact. Right? Yeah. These things go past the blood-brain barrier. Yes. You know, suddenly we start to see greater brain bleeds because of it. I mean, like, it's, it's all matched up. I mean, like, we could go down this rabbit hole, but, I mean, right. we, we are so naive about what's happening in this world. Right. And you, you have
2: to understand it like, something like corticosteroids and anti-inflammatories... They, they, they're basically designed from a survival instinct to sell the fucking long-term farm to get through mm-hmm. the current situation. Yeah, you know that's true. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, and, and, and it's it's really terrible mm-hmm. that, that that's allowed to 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 occur without
1: the compensatory enhancement of recovery. If you are listening and you go to the Football Hall of Fame speeches just last year. Look at the number of coaches being crippled, being Don Chua helped by four people across the stage to accept his award. And that's because he played football and then led this CEO lifestyle of not sleeping culture of machoism where he destroyed himself and now sitting down. Well, and the stress and the poor nutrition and didn't, didn't support himself, you know, to, to be the highest level, high stress CEO in the same, same environment as like, hey, we've come through. We can keep these guys alive with cortisol, and you know, you know, it, it means disaster. And those guys are crippled, and you know, yeah. I mean, like that. Remember, you have to come out unharmed at one rep or a million reps. And we're not talking about trauma. That that's an aside. Bad stuff is going to happen to you. We're just talking about the preventable disease.
2: Yeah, guys, uh, like I, I watched a. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, I was like, uh, I went to Candlestick for the last game. You know, we had some kind of like sideline passes and we, and I watched Jim Harbaugh like, you know, kind of hobble onto the goddamn field. And I was like, man, this is the fucking quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, how the hell? Like, uh, what are the rest of, the, what's the condition of the rest of these
0: people? Uh, you know, 10, 20 years after. So what, this is just a random aside, but it's related. <sighs> How do you? How does your work with high-level military differ with professional athletes?
1: Same. We treat the we treat the military guys like high-level athletes, but with less resources. They explain. That we know they're sleep, They don't. They don't have the option of eating well all the time. Yeah. You know. So my helicopter pilots come in Apache pilots. They're just being sent out. What pilots? Apache pilots. Oh, Apache. Yeah. Apache helicopter tactical. Yep. Right. Got it. And I'm like, Are you eating? Yes or no? <laughs> you know I mean? you know I mean? have you had water today yes or no you know what i mean like a 10 same thing like the, the amount of turnaround guys are going to sit so we look at them as more have, as having less option yeah so i expect more from the professional athlete and i expect that the that the military athlete the high-end military athlete right the tactical athlete is going to be more compromised because they have fewer support sources military the military yeah it's a disaster
0: Oh, dude, those guys are fucking amazing. I mean, it's just like the, the, because of For Our Body, I mean, I've, I've really realized, I've had an interaction with two groups of folks that are very different, but uh, related. One is hedge fund guys. So hedge fund guys are either like, Jabba the Hutt, or they're like, I'm going to do the Iron Man three times a year.
1: And they're all, and I'll like, listen
0: to you. And I want NCT. Yep. So can you make me the guy from <laughs> Loveless? Or. Uh, on the other hand, you have guys who are drawn to certain aspects of for our body, like the ultra endurance chapter, uh, particularly uh, that are Navy SEALs or Rangers or military guys. And I'm just fascinated and amazed by how much those guys do on so little because they're like, yeah. You know what? My advantage, like I'm good at metabolizing garbage. So like I can eat anything and I can go run a fucking 50 mile run. And like, that's what yeah. makes me superior. And it's, it's really fascinating to see.
1: We've run this experiment though. This, so what is best practice? And the, the key is uh, my grand my step grandfather, stepfather in law, whatever is a uh, engineer. <laughs> a I don't know what that means, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in, but he calls it a boundary <laughs> spanner and you're a boundary spanner. And really the problem is that we have these siloed pieces of information and people aren't looking at best practices at the community next to them because they don't think they can relate. Yeah. And so suddenly if we can relate those communities, then we can start to kind of dr- drill down on what's best practice. Yeah. You know, and, and Dean Carnassus is yeah. a buddy. Yeah, he's close by. Right. Such a stud. Like a lot of it was made of like the fact that he like ordered a pizza one time and a like, you know, on a run. That guy eats like a monk. And then it matters less what he, what does he need to eat? He has, he knows his, during the marathons, he knows his macronutrient combinations. He's got things that don't upset his stomach, but like, yeah. boom, comes back to Monkton. So he controls what he can control when he can control it. Yeah. And then there's other times he makes the best decision available to him. So if that's, I haven't eaten anything and the only thing I have available to me is like Otis Spunkmeyer muffin, you're going to eat the Otis Spunkmeyer muffin, you yeah. know? Eric Cressy said, uh, really well, he's a performance baseball coach. Eric's cool dude. He's cool. Huh? He can deadlift like a motherfucker yeah, too. He, yeah, he's a big, strong guy. <laughs> I, I, we're we're homies, and uh, he was like, "Look, you he's know, good at the shoulder mechanics. <laughs> yes, yes. Fucking- Are you going? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my kid pizza if that's the only thing I can fuel them with for the day. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make the best choice that I have, and if we just have people make the best choice with the tools they have, already we see, dude. I'm so happy you brought know, up
0: Eric because like I remember I asked him some like two-liner question about the deadlift, and I was like, you know, <laughs> my right Sartorius is really bothering me because of blah, blah, blah. Like, how should I modify my sumo? And he sent me a fucking dissertation. It was like 10 pages long, and I was like, you know what? You have no idea how happy this makes me, that you are so obsessive about lifting
1: heavy shit off the floor. The best coaches in the world are all talking. They're all talking. Yeah. And they're all comparing notes, and they're all showing each other all of their data yeah. and all practices, because we all realize that ultimately... The, the thing that matters is the programming. How many times a week do you need to deadlift? I don't know. That's up to you and your coach, yeah. but not how to deadlift and the problems. So people are really generous and people are still stuck in web 2.0. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's my secret sauce. You know, like yeah. that's bullshit. Right. 3.0 is people are like, here's my model. Here's my methodology. If I have some, something proprietary, you know, we understand. But I mean, the the real thinkers and innovators are just as transparent as can be, which is exactly what Well, of you guys. The idea is worth next to nothing. It's the execution.
0: That's right. Which is the hard part. Which it's is it's worth everything. everything. That's right. right. And if you have any
2: confidence in like in your in yourself and your abilities, you don't have to you don't have to hoard secrets. You share that, you know what I mean, and, and it's really the dynamic because there's there's always that continuum of growth and understanding. And so, like, why do you have to create a proprietary product? Yeah. Give it
1: away. There's always going to be this advancement. There, yeah, hundred percent. We're we're seeing it's been exciting, you know, and and the the coaches that we feel like are closed minded and you know territorial are just really like you're know, like that, that's why the seventies and the eighties happened. Shit didn't get evolved. There's a real epoch right now. I keep talking about this, this epoch renaissance where people are crossing boundaries. You and I, there's a physician talking to physio, talking to an entrepreneur, you know, biohacker. Right. But like we're all using the same language and working on the same sets of problems. How do we improve the human condition? Right. Simple. Yeah, you know it is it is. I mean I wanna be pain free. I wanna have you know, I wanna be lucid and successful. And, you know, I want to, I want to be functional, really functional when I'm 110. Right. You know, and that's, that's it.
2: Yeah. No, and, and what you're alluding to too is, is that it's, it's, you know, the, the, the intention in the expectation is kind of the primal drive. It's like, what, what do we want to create? You know what I mean? Because we, we've, at this point in humanity, we've created all the current circumstances that we're experiencing. And so, really, the big question is: is kind of, what what is our what is our expectations for ourselves individually and collectively? And we don't, you know, it's the intention that's going to drive the 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 questions. It's going to drive the inquiry. It's going to drive the answers. It's going to drive the investigation. And that's really what's going to actually lead us to accelerating. You know, humanity, human potential. Yeah. And that's really what's exciting to me. It's, it's not really about what you know and what you can c- commandeer. It's really about the dynamic interplay of like throwing this out there to all of us as individuals and having us figure this out as citizens of humanity and pulling it back and sharing and, and bouncing these ideas off and incubating this and seeing what the hell happens. Like that, that's what
0: excites me. You know what I mean? And, and there's all kinds of possibilities there. This is a fucking fun format. I like this. I think this is my favorite format so far. Yeah. I've tried a bunch of stuff with this weird podcast that I'm experimenting with. Um, I don't want to cut us short, but I feel like we probably need some food considering that we've had three or four bottles of wine, uh, which has been really amazing. Uh, but, um, so I'm going to close with a couple of things cuz I feel like we sh- should use some calories and then maybe we can do the Japanese soak. Uh what are you most excited about these days? Kelly Starrett. I think
1: we're Starrett. That is correct. Starrett. Right? We right. can uh we violate the diphthong. It's not Starrett. Starrett. <laughs> <laughs> diphthong. Bam. Dude, diphthong. Fuck we, that uh, diphthong. <laughs> diphthong. I think <laughs> Boner. I think uh <laughs> we can solve some significant public health problems, yeah. and we're on the verge of being able to prevent a whole host of public health problems because it's not, its the practices are getting easier. You know, let me give you an example. Um, you know, obesity, child obesity is a gigantic problem in America. Uh-huh. You can't mandate exercise in schools, you can't do it. There's not enough, there's enough PE, PE is cut. Mm-hmm. If you had kids stand at their desks, that's it. Just stand at your desk. They burn another fifty to a hundred thousand calories a year, yeah, which is like twenty-two marathons. And suddenly, take away the chairs. kids stand and literally, you know, they don't fidget, and we can manage this. And that's just best practice because you shouldn't sit anyway. Yeah. And uh, you know, they, they do plenty of sitting outside the school. So if you just take away the chairs, suddenly watch what happens. That's the kind of social change we're seeing. We're gonna see. Cool. Yeah. What about you? Jam.
2: You you know my 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 bottom line of of what I think that we have to kind of face going forward is is basically this um question of like you know realizing who we are and our potential you know individually and collectively and. You know one thing that i like I heard when I was in medical school that I think is a really interesting thing that that impressed me was I actually um came across a, like a nineteen eighty four lecture by Tim leary uh-huh. um and basically at that at that point he was what he said was that um there's this entity coming along called the internet <laughs> uh, is what he what he called it, and he said that look it's gonna connect us on a level that we haven't been connected, you know, similar to how like the Gutenberg printing press disseminated printed books and information for everybody to kind of take in by themselves and the, you know, in the development of written language actually helped humanity kind of evolve. So there's this internet, there's this connection on a global scale uh, and a non-local scale that we have. And we're going to be able to share ideas and information um, where we wouldn't have been able to do it. And he said that there's going to actually be, he predicted that there's going to be a lot of social unrest, um, that, that, that results from this. And then he said that after that, we understand how to harness that power. Uh, and to me, what I'm most interested in is, is how that we can all kind of come together as global citizens, start asking kind of the deeper questions of humanity and, contributing to this and figuring out big answers uh, and accelerating kind of human potential in, in the human race. And um, to me, that's what kind of excites me looking forward in that, in that, that spans across all kinds of avenues, political, medical, you know, uh, social, whatever. Let's all get together. Let's share our ideas. Let's think critically and let's use our technology to kind of, um, accelerate what we can figure out and what where our potential is. Uh, and I think that's what excites me.
1: Smart dude. You can't have sick toes. Sick, I'm having six fingers. I'm doing it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> cool. Help a splitter. Well, guys, we're going to, we're going to get some food. I you guys some calories. Uh, I think, uh, Thai food is on the menu. Um, I was thinking Kelly of force feeding you a bunch of lentils. Just have legumes to give you shit from the paleo community, but I shall regress from that and be more reasonable. Uh, Kelly, where can we find out more about you, what you're up to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What, what, what should uh, these billions of listeners billions. check out?
1: Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know where to start... We put out about 600 free videos on Mobility Wad, hmm. Mobility W-O-D as in workout of the day dot com. You can search it. You can search for including me stretching my quad on
0: a uh, car hood like a police officer.
1: That's right. We did. We did that. <laughs> <laughs> you dig deep enough, there's Tim deep in the day <laughs> trying to, trying to take on a, that was your public service message, bro. That was. Um, that was. <laughs> but you know, that, that's where to start. So, you know, it, you can't believe that if you start taking a crack at this yourself, you can fix it. You're, you're that smart. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh,
0: just where should, uh, people check you out or, uh, what would you like to impart to these masses?
2: Yeah. You know what? my, my honest parting comment is to, not check me out. Uh, just <laughs> Fucking look in the mirror, okay. and check yourself out, uh, Good and you know, and uh, I like that. And you know, it. my my aspiration is to is to to go underground and be a ghost. But uh, um, so. <laughs> <laughs> that will result in a lot of people googling your name. Absolutely, so. yes. But, but anyways,
0: yeah, cool. uh, you know, empower yourself, okay. uh, figure okay. it out. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. Pleasure. That was awesome. We'll get some food. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we will uh, talk to you shortly. I'm soon with, wait a second, let me rephrase my English. Shortly, I am sure with our next podcast, and that is brought to you courtesy of wine. Thank you very much. Good night.
2: If you want more of The Tim Ferriss Show, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes
1: or go to 4hourblog.com. F-O-U-R-H-O-U-R-B-L-O-G.com Where you'll find an
2: award-winning blog, tons of audio and video interview stories with people like Warren Buffett and Mike Shinoda from Linkin Park, the books, plus much, much more. Follow Tim on Twitter. at twitter.com slash t Ferris. That's
0: T-F-E-R-R-I-S-S.
2: Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tim Ferriss. Until
1: next time, thanks for listening.